You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Podcast 72. It is Monday, January 18, 2021. And after offering the Soul Awakening Astrology of 2021 and Beyond, Part 2, we now present the Soul Awakening Astrology of 2021 and Beyond, Part 3. This new podcast and recent podcasts include the charts for the January 6th, 2021 mob entering the U.S. Capitol building, the state of Georgia runoffs, and the Georgia elections of January 5 of 2021, the horoscope of the Jupiter-Saturn union in Aquarius on the same day as the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere on December 21, 2020, the chart for Joe Biden being declared president-elect, the horoscope for the U.S. election on November 3rd, the U.S. birth chart for July 4th, 1776, and its secondary progress chart for January 20th of 2021, the presidential inauguration horoscope coming up for January 20th of 2021, charts for Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Mike Pence, Kamala Harris, plus the total solar eclipse on December 14, 2020, the upcoming chart for the vernal equinox in the Northern Hemisphere on March 20th, 2021, and key charts of upcoming major planetary alignments happening in the next few years. Overall, This is the 72nd podcast offered to the public since May of 2019. Now, I'm going to ask you all to be patient uh, with me. Uh, There's a phrase I like to use sometimes in the cosmic calendar that I've done for 39 years now. used to be in the center of welcome planet Earth. The phrase patience is a cardinal virtue. So it goes back a long way. But I like to think of it as also patience is a cosmic virtue. And uh, so much has happened since it was only, uh, well, let's see, I did the last podcast, Podcast 71, right after the two Georgia runoffs, uh, where the Democrats both won in uh, close elections. And then I did that podcast in the early hours of January 6th, but I did not yet experience or see or witness what we all have now seen and witnessed Uh, later in January 6th, um, when both houses of Congress at the Capitol were mobbed by the insurrection crowd, whatever you want to call it. And now, in the last 10 days or so, because it's been, uh, let's see, it's about 12 days since that particular date, we've seen all this footage and the near uh, destruction of the whole building could have been so much worse. There were so many people with weapons of all kinds. Of course, um, we're all now aware of how close it came to people like Vice President Pence or the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi being taken hostage or hurt, wounded. Um, so we, we had a very close call with all of that. And what happened was is that a few days later, um, I decided to type out, which was on January 10th, um, what is basically this going to be this podcast, and I was calling it the Astrology of a New American 
disaster, D-I-S hyphen astered, A-S-T-E-R, like the word disaster, but hyphenated. So the astrology of a new American disaster, January 6, 2021, and I even typed all of this out. So we're going to get to all that shortly because when something very profound like the events of January 6 happen, it's so... Uh, so complex from an astrological view of, of how it's going to fit into all of these various dates of the election, uh, the December 14th um, event when we had the total solar eclipse, and that was when the different electors were meeting in state capitals, and when it turned out that that verified the, the uh, election results between November 3rd and November 7th, which was the day that uh, Vice President uh, Vice, former Vice President Joe Biden was declared the president-elect and Kamala Harris was declared the vice president-elect. So that was November 7th, a particular Saturday, four days after the election. And of course, from the uh, Trump side of the equation and um, the people supporting him for weeks on end, everything was it, was, it was stolen and so on and so forth. Of course, this is what all led to those thousands of people gathering on January 6th, because that was going to be the final apparently the final date, because th that was the joint session of both uh, houses of Congress meeting to confirm then what the electors confirmed on December 14th. And we've never really had um, this kind of uh, extreme situation. Uh, we, we have had it before 1876. There have been different times in the year 1800, uh, Adams versus Jefferson and 1876, Rutherford B. Hayes and Samuel Tilden. There have been controversies, and of course, 20 years before with uh, Bush and Gore, but we've never had a situation where, at this point, 20 years after the year 2000, with 24-7 news, social media, um, just so many people walking around with their iPhones and their Android phones filming things all the time, that we're, we'd be inundated with all this information and that we'd have a series of dates going from the November 3rd to no November 7th time period and all the confirmation of the different states, uh, secretaries of state of their states, and, and again, from the Trumpian side, trying to say, no, it's all a bunch of lies, recount everything, go back and forth. So we had the total solar eclipse date of December 14th, which, as I shared before, was pretty astounding in that that total solar eclipse in Sagittarius was exactly opposite the total lunar eclipse from the day that Donald Trump was born on June 14, 1946, within three minutes of arc, which is one twentieth of one degree. So that was what set up December 14th, total solar eclipse, just happened to occur. I mean, we'd say coincidentally, but really syn synchronistically, what are the odds that we'd have a total solar eclipse on the very date that all the electors were going to be meeting either in reality or in their, in virtually in their state capitals to confirm the election results. And then, of course, when that didn't overturn um, the election uh, for the Trump side of the equation, then they started setting their sights on January 6th because this would be the final, final confirmation. And of course, now we know that we came within a hair's breadth of a complete disaster. So I'm going to get into the word disaster and another word, catastrophe. So, of course, the words are really one sound, disaster, catastrophe, but they really almost hyphenate, and I'll explain why and how they connect up to the stars and that they are words that relate to the cosmos. 
uh, we throw these words around all the time uh, in a very colloquial way. Oh, it was a disaster. We went to this party and all these weird things happened. It was a complete disaster. So people will say that, or it was just a catastrophe. I was planning this and that. And before you know it, these weird things happened. And there was a whole confluence event, events, and it was just a catastrophe. But what we forget is that these words coming out of uh, ancient times literally has to do with um, going against the stars. So it's very interesting how even in the press, the, this event of January 6th was called or has been called complete disaster, catastrophe, or it could have been a catastrophe if certain things had happened, if the crowd moved in a certain direction, um, if a particular police officer didn't direct uh, people along a certain corridor and so on. So there were all these near misses. So I'm going to go through this list in a moment. And again, I did type all this up uh, four days later. And I thought, okay, that was January 10th. I should probably be able to do this podcast 72 a day or two later. But I was on coast to coast on January the 7th. And I've shared before, fortunately, in the last, since 2004 in the summer, when I was first asked to be on coast to coast, and that was during a three-hour program, it's been, I don't know, 26, 27, 28 times um, over 16 plus years. And so I was already scheduled to be on Thursday night, January 7th, and needed to prepare uh, for that two-hour show. Now, when I say it's two hours, it's not that long at all because there's advertisement and so on. So in the first hour on January 7th, which, which was Thursday night, that was the night after the whole events at the Capitol building. And I wasn't even so sure, I mean, whether or not if things had gotten more dreadful on that January 6th, maybe I would have been um, canceled and then have to come on another night. So I, I prepared, as I often do. I send a whole bunch of questions to George Norrie, who's the wonderful host. And again, the, the focus is on mundane or earth astrology for the most part, although in the second hour, sometimes they ask me to do mini many readings for people. Now, of course, that is not real astrology. A real astrology, if people were to call up or I do telephone consultations, it's on my website at Great Bear Enterprises. That's www.greatbearenterprisesplural.com. So you can go on there in our astrology shop. You'll see astrology reports, which are computerized that people can order, get sent to you by uh, attachment to uh, your email and uh, and t telephone consultations and there's there's five of these consultations and on the show on coast to coast for the last couple of years it's not it's not my choice but uh, for some reason they decided hey would you be willing to do these mini readings and people will call in give their month day and year or their sun sign or a combination and I'll look at some of the major transits going on and give some information back to a person who might be wondering about business or health, relationship, or a general kind of reading. But again, I do recommend if you want to become what's called a Coast Insider for it's only maybe $6 a month and you have access to all their different programs come through a podcast setup. But again, Coast to Coast AM radio uh, is on every night and it's usually uh, between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. But it's a fantastic program. But I'm only bringing this up because the last podcast I did was early on January 6th after the Georgia runoffs. And I was very excited about that because I had actually anticipated that probably the Republicans were going to win, or at least they'd win one 
and the Democrat might win the other one, but that would still mean that the Senate would be uh, held by uh, Mitch McConnell, the Republicans. The House, of course, is Democrat. And as we know that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are about to be inaugurated, which we're going to be focusing on shortly here on that inauguration chart. I, I've focused on that a whole lot in many of our episodes uh, of the podcast in the last couple of months. So you can go to Mark Lerner Astrology uh, Radio Astroscope. Again, it's on Apple and Spotify and different places, Google, I guess. But on our own website at Great Bear Enterprises, this is where you really want to go because there's a folder um, when you get into Mark Lerner Astrology Radio Astroscope and you'll see, um, again, the 72 podcast. But there's a folder that contains charts and images. I'm going to get into that in a moment because um, my daughter is downloading um, or putting on there several of different authors and books, as well as an old, um, a, a cover story from 27, almost 27, 28 years ago, Timeline to War, is history repeating itself? So you'll see the cover of the magazine I was fortunate enough to have published back uh, in the 80s and 90s, Welcome to Planet Earth. So many great astrologers joined me in doing that. And every so often, as you know, for instance, I guess it was two podcasts ago, I think it was two podcasts ago that I shared about my discovery of Jupiter coming back to its position every day uh, of, of particular years, 83 years apart, because Jupiter has a cycle not of 12 years around the zodiac, but actually 11.86 years. And so I wanted to share about that because we're about to have uh, in 2022 will be um, 83 years since 1939, which was the beginning of World War II. And um, it, at any rate, later on, I may actually read from this. I'm not sure if I will or not, but I wanted to at least give the cover image. And if I don't read the story toward the end of this uh, podcast, it's called Timeline to War is History Repeating Itself. Um, there's a reason why I want to do that, because um, I've been building up a lot of the storyline over many months where the United States, born July 4th, 1776, we're about to have Pluto come back. Uh, mundane earth astrologers like myself, as well as people who do personal professional astrology, and I wear both hats. I've been doing thousands of readings for 47 years in both areas. But the, this whole idea of this long-term situation for our country, we, we see the crisis we're in now, the political divide, the cultural divide, the religious divide, the ethnic divides, all of these things that are going on, which is very scary for all of us while we're having this gigantic pandemic. And I think that, that we can clearly see now, even though for so many months, many people were supporting President Trump and the administration, uh, the task forces, and they're doing such a great job in Operation Warp Speed. Oh, sure, there have been certain accomplices, accomplishments. But as I've shared in so many podcasts, there are 13 podcasts I did in 2020 on coronavirus and astrology focusing on the World Health Organization and uh, the CDC and the chart for China. Just so much information um, that I never anticipated that I would be doing in this particular way. But fortunately, with the advent of podcasts, and um, I enjoy doing it every so often as much as I can. But there's been so much information and each day in terms of news and changes that we're all familiar with that it becomes sometimes unwieldy to be able to do all of this. At any rate, in a moment, I'm going to share a little bit more about um, on our on our website in these folders. 
um, that's where you can go to see the actual charts. And for instance, we'll get into this in a moment. Shortly, I'll be sharing about six charts, uh, six major charts, including the inauguration and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And when uh, the Congress actually did confirm finally, uh, right after the, the mob scene there uh, in the early morning hours of January 7th. So there's a chart for that. And there's also the United States chart and some other things. So at any rate, we're going to go through all of this. And we're going to, um, I'm also going to bring up about um, another cover story and something that was in uh, my podcast 18 and 19 about Vesta, the asteroid Vesta that came back in the United States birth chart last year. And I did uh, two podcasts, they're numbers 18 and 19 on Vesta, including um, my reading at that point. It was in podcast 19 of the cover story, uh, The Vesta Covenant. Uh, Hitler and Nazism and America's Manifest Des Destiny. Um, that was something I really suggest for various reasons, which I'll, it, I'll get into in a moment. You want to go back to those podcasts, number 18 and 19. Okay, it has, has to do with Vesta coming back in the United States birth chart, which is in the sign of Taurus. And asteroids generally, like Ceres, the largest asteroid, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta, which were all discovered in the early 1800s, I've shared before one of my great teachers, Eleanor Bach, from New York City. When I got into all of this in 1973, she created the first asteroid ephemeris for the four main asteroids, and that has allowed us to start using those asteroids and many other bodies like Chiron and Shariklo and these outer planets that have now been discovered like Sedna, Eris, Haumea, Maki Maki, Varuna, Quayor, the list goes on. Now, again, there's still the fundamentals of the sun, the moon, the main planets, uh, the nodes of the moon, and how charts are. But again, so many astrologers have incorporated all of these different planetary bodies that I'm creating a little experiment with in this one, pod Podcast 72, because the charts in our folder back on Great Bear Enterprises are going to have dozens of different um, planetary symbols representing different asteroids, different centaur bodies, and outer planets. And they're not, it's not the entire list. There's no way at this point. There are hundreds of these bodies now. And this is just a sampling, but for those of you who want to research these charts for pre uh, President-to-be Joe Biden, the first woman Vice President Kamala Harris. Now you're going to have more planetary bodies, at least to take a look at. Same thing with the inauguration chart and the U.S. chart. So you want to go to our website to see that and some of these images. So uh, let's see what else I want to bring up here at the beginning. Okay, yeah, a couple other things here before we start getting into the nitty-gritty. Um, I honor the new app. Okay, what is the new app? It's our only app. It's Astrology Cosmic calendar, three words, calendar with a K. Again, you want to get this thing. First of all, it's free. If For your um, iPhone or Android, you get it for free. If you want to subscribe to go two, three to four weeks into the future, it's not that expensive. Now, why do you want to get it? I've done it for 39 years. It used to be at the center of Welcome to Planet Earth, our magazine, which was a newspaper and then it was a magazine. So it reached... It was in print, reached thousands of people all around the planet. I did it for 20 years. Things changed. I went online with various websites. And so the calendar, though, continued. So it will be 40 years 
come June of this year that I have been doing the Cosmic Calendar. So as I've said many times, and there's, by the way, there is a podcast about, it's called The Cosmic Calendar and Why You Need It. And let me make sure I've got the right, uh, yeah, 58, podcast 58. It's right before the podcast I did on um, the astrology of Mars retrograde uh, at the U.S. 2020 election. So podcast 58 is about an hour about the cosmic calendar that, again, you should all get it. I think everybody out there has an, has an iPhone or an Android. So if you haven't gotten it, it's free. You just put in the words in the in wherever you go to get your apps. Astrology, cosmic, calendar. Three words, calendar with a K. So you'll see the logo is the Great Bear with the seven stars of the Great Bear. That means you got the right thing. You download it and um, you'll have one day at a time. So you be, start getting into that. That's free. If you want to go into the future, you have choices. It's a, a year is $49.99. A couple of years ago, it was $85 and we didn't have the app. So we've, we've made it much more reasonable. Six months is $29.99. One month at a time, $5, $5.99. It allows you to go two, three, four weeks into the future. Right now, we've just moved four weeks into the future from right now. So if somebody were to um, go get the app and you get it for free, then you can get a subscription. And by the way, right now we're offering a uh, what's called an advanced personal numerology report. That gets sent to you as an attachment to email all about your key numbers based on your full name at birth as well as your month day and year of birth complimentary if you order that by itself it's uh 25 or 30 dollars it's complimentary with a one-year subscription the thing i i want you to understand is um the cosmic calendar we are each cosmic calendars your birth chart my birth chart all your loved ones birth charts your friends the people you've looked up to their charts and famous people in the past, the present, anyone who's ever lived, living now or will live, each of our charts, and I believe each one of us is a soul and a spirit that we've lived before, we will live again, uh, even though I suppose time is an illusion, when we get out of the earth plane and we're no longer revolving 24 hours on, on, on this planet, day and night and all these different cycles, if we're in the higher realms before birth or or after death, then time doesn't exist as we now have it in terms of how we compartmentalize 24 hours, day and night, and all the different cycles. So we, time is a very useful convenience system. And in terms of astrology, it's very, very powerful as long as we're on Earth and we're living our lives. But in the meantime, um, what I want to say here is that as we meet each other and as we go through our cycles of what we call the transits and progressions, updating our charts, Nevertheless, each one of us is a walking cosmic calendar. So our charts are the planetary positions, the stars, the different alignments of sun, moon, planets, asteroids, faraway planets, all their mathematical relationships, the houses in a chart, the nodes of the moon, all of that. Each one of us has that those destiny patterns in our charts. But it was a snapshot of the heavens at that moment. And that's what I am writing about in the cosmic calendar. And my frustration, I guess, with people not necessarily recognizing its importance is that um, if we only focus on our own birth charts, 
and like so many things now with selfies and everything we're all trying to figure ourselves out how do we all fit into um our relationships our family life our society the the nation the world with all of these rapid changes climate change or pandemics um just industrial revolution 24 7 news and so on everything seems like it's speeding along and so we're trying to figure ourselves in this whole mix and growing and evolving into our group identities and teamwork and uh, working together for communities and goodwill and different kinds of things so the, in that spirit that's the whole idea about um, tuning into the cosmic calendar because it's not your transits in the cosmic calendar it's not your progressions it's not what's happening to your chart it's what's happening in the sky of the different relations venus trine mars the moon conjunct jupiter um, first quarter moons last quarter moons new moons full moons uh, major planetary alignments stations of planets planets going retrograde and so on all of these things are covered in a user-friendly manner every day in the cosmic calendar and what what i want you to realize is look as i've given examples before let's just say you're born when the moon is with venus okay as an example well what will happen is 13 times a year the moon will be with venus it may it's not going to be 13 times um in your sign but anytime the moon is with venus if if you're born when the moon is with venus anytime the moon is with venus in the sky regardless of where it is is still a resonance you're still picking up energy and if you don't tune into the cosmic calendar that fortuitous alignment a moon venus conjunction is generally considered very fortuitous you're going to miss 13 major alignments that can help you in love in friendship in creative artistry with social activities and money-making activities and so much more in terms of everything relating to venus the same thing you so let's say you're born um as an example uh, particularly with the moon say the moon is trying jupiter in your birth chart well 13 actually there'll be there'll be two uh different kinds of trines so there'll be 26 different kind of moon jupiter trines uh where the moon is waxing toward the jupiter or waning with the jupiter so every month there'll be two times when the moon and jupiter are trying well if you're born when the moon is trying jupiter in either formation waxing or waning approaching or, or separating if you don't tune into the cosmic calendar you'll miss these moments when expansion of consciousness or the power of positive thinking or providence benevolence um good fortune which often relates to jupiter or uh big business opportunities jupiter has a lot of fortuitous uh energies i'm just giving examples so the the situation is there are dozens and dozens hundreds of alignments in the cosmic calendar of ongoing cycles in the heavens so you if you touch that base if you decide to get the cosmic calendar then look into subscribing for it so that you can make appointments uh schedule meetings three days from today a week from today two to three weeks from today and you can also look ahead to avoid those days where there are challenging alignments so that's the advantage of the cosmic calendar i didn't mean to sort of get into the whole thing again but sometimes it's frustrating because people say well why do i need to know that i just you know i can study my own transits my own progressions and my loved ones transits and progressions and compatibility i don't need the cosmic calendar well then you're missing it's like you're missing an enormous part of ongoing cycles so that's why i'm stressing it okay 
Having said that, now that's podcast 58. Also, uh, to learn more about it in uh, the Cosmic Calendar, why you need it. And I would recommend, because we're going to have another Mercury retrograde, as we do uh, three times a year. The next one will be January 30th. Uh, this one will be very special. Mercury will stop at 27 of Aquarius. Why is that important? It's where the United States has the moon, Pallas Athena, and now Quaor, one of these outer planets. Three celestial bodies. When America was born, July 4th, 1776, there are 360 degrees in, in the circle. So every person's chart, you have all 12 signs, regardless of how many celestial bodies you have in any particular sign and in any of the houses. At the same time, what are the odds that when the United States was born July 4th, 1776, at the Declaration of Independence, that we knew where the moon was at that point. We didn't know where Pallas Athena was because Pallas Athena wasn't discovered until 1802. Then we discovered Pallas Athena, and then through my teacher, Eleanor Bach, and having the asteroid ephemeris of the four main asteroids in 1973, um, at that point, and with the uh, computer software that gives us, we can go back in time, then we're able to see, wow, the United States has a moon Pallas Athena conjunction at 27 Aquarius. And now with the discovery of this outer planet called Quayor, uh, based on a, a god from a Native American tribe in the Los Angeles area, a creator god, we now know that Quayor is also at 27 Aquarius. Well, that's where Mercury is going to stop. That'll be two days after the next full moon. The next full moon is January 28th. And I actually created uh, in on our on the app what's called Astro Flash. Every so often I will add an Astro Flash. This one's called See the Future Now as the Sun Conjuncts Jupiter at the Aquarius full moon on January 28th, and Mercury goes retrograde on January 30th. So if you have the app, then you'll have these Astro Flashes, and this is an encouragement. To subscribe because today um, we are at uh, January 18 but the dates I'm writing about are January 28th and January 30th well you're not gonna be able to see those dates or access them if you only have the free subscription you need to subscribe so in the Astro Flash I'm giving you some write-ups from the cosmic calendar of those dates and you can sort of realize why it's important to go ahead in time but by the way the full moon on January 28th is very powerful because not only is it a, a full moon in Aquarius, but the Sun-Jupiter conjunction, which only happens once a year, that'll be occurring on that date, and there'll also be a Venus-Pluto conjunction. So talk about a powerful full moon of enlightenment and energy, um, but as we know with any full moon, while millions of people around the planet are meditating, bringing in goodwill and be allowing you to become an ambassador of goodwill to friends and your community and around the planet, full moons are the time when the sun and moon are opposite. And historically, as I shared before, particularly when we look at Donald Trump's being born at a total lunar eclipse, and by the way, Kamala Harris coming in is born even more exactly at a full moon. It's not a total lunar, lunar eclipse. And I'll be doing a special podcast all on Kamala Harris. So I may talk a little bit more about that now, but in the near future, I want to take a, a deeper look at her because she could become the next president of the United States in a couple years. She's, we, we finally have a woman in a position of executive authority within that branch of our government. And that's one of the most important and powerful things that we're going to be seeing on the horizon, regardless of one's political views. If, even if you don't like her, you don't 
think she's a good person for whatever reason, she is now in that particular uh, position. After all, so many people on the left and the progressive side have been horrified but over the last four years with Donald Trump in, in his position. So from that angle, um, the people on the, on the right or people who don't think that um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won fair and square, which I do believe that they did, um, now we're going to have Joe Biden at age 78, for good or for ill. I mean, he's, he's going to be the oldest person ever. In four years, if he were to consider running again, he'd be 82 years old. Uh, that's pretty old. Uh, it used to be bef before we had Donald Trump, the oldest person ever inaugurated was Ronald Reagan, who was 69 years old and then became 70 years old. Um, in fact, he became 70 years old on, in February of 1981, and then he was almost assassinated uh, by John Hinckley at, on March 30th of 1981. So he was 70 years old at that point. Hillary Clinton, had she won against Donald Trump, um, she would have been 68, 69 years old um, getting in there. Uh, I think she would have been, yeah, she was 68 years old in the fall of um, uh, 2016. So she would have also reached uh, 70 years. And now Donald Trump, in leaving office, uh, he's 74. Again, there's still the possibility he might consider, depending on what happens after the second impeachment and trial in the Senate. Of course, we all know that that happened recently, whether that was a right move or not. Nevertheless, that took place. And apparently there will be a trial in the Senate at some point. Uh, and that could determine whether he's even allowed to, if he was convicted, it's possible, although that's doubtful in my personal opinion, that there'll be a two-thirds of the Senate will actually decide to convict him. Of course, the impeachment that has just come up has been because he spurred on these people with uh, what we might call the insurrection and the mob on January 6th, gave a speech there that morning before things got really intense, a couple hours later in the, in around 2 p.m. in the afternoon. We'll get into all that in a moment on January 6th. So from his speeches and other things that were going on and uh, driving these people there and encouraging on, this is what led to this more single impeachment, much different than the one that happened uh, back in 2019. I guess it was 2019. Yeah, the end of 2019. It seems like it was longer ago. Um, so again, that will happen down the road. And it is possible that he could get convicted, and it's possible that the Senate could decide um, in a secondary decision if he is convicted, even though he's already out of the presidency, that he wouldn't be able to run again, that he wouldn't be able to have federal office again. Again, it's kind of doubtful whether all of that would happen. Um, and if it doesn't happen, that, that, that occurs, then it's still possible he might be on the sidelines for a few years, you never know what's going to happen. After all, in 2022 midterms, uh, both the House and the Senate, it's, it's not inconceivable they could get become a Republican if the Democrats don't know what they're doing. Or if over the next year or two, due to things like Pluto coming back in the United States chart three times in 2022, Neptune, slow moving as well, like Pluto, but not as slow moving, still has a 164-year orbit. We're going to have Neptune opposing our own Neptune from the U.S. chart next year several times, and Neptune squaring our Mars. So Neptune, uh, opposing our own Neptune, can often create a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion and nebulosity. Now, there's always a possibility of illumination. 
in Revelation when you have something like a, a, um, a rare Neptune opposition. But of course, um, for instance, since Neptune is a 164-year cycle, a, an individual can only have Neptune opposing its uh, the person's Neptune when you're about 82. And at that point, when you're in your early 80s, due to health, health and other things, uh, Neptune has a shadow side that often has a lot to do with dissolution, or again, I, I mentioned the words chaos and confusion and nebulosity. So um, sometimes there's a lot of troubles for a person health-wise and uh, thinking-wise and communication-wise, as we know, in terms of um, just the struggle of life and getting older. So um, what we're having is a cycle um, in this particular case where Neptune was discovered back in uh, 1846. And so we're about to have a situation where if you add 164 years to 1846, um, that brings us back to 2010, 2011. We had three Neptune returns. Uh, the, the, the Neptune discovery point is at uh, 26 degrees of Aquarius. Um, but on a different level, when we had the Civil War back in 1861, when, when the Civil War started, Neptune was at um, 29 degrees of Pisces, almost exactly at the point of zero of Aries. And we're going to have a return of that cycle. If you add 164 years to 1861, you get 2025. And so in a couple of years, we're going to have a situation um, where what happened with the Civil War, and that's why there are fears, at least through astrology, that with these with these big cycles for the United States, Pluto coming back, that's never occurred before. The U.S. Pluto is in our second house of money and financial resources. We now have seen this last year with the pandemic and so many people losing their jobs, losing um, uh, their homes, so many millions of people unemployed, plus the pandemic, food problems people needing much more money, um, that there's this enormous economic, literal catastrophe going on. So uh, in a couple more years, we're going to have Neptune come back to where it was when the actual American Civil War began. So that's a, a kind of negative omen to be thinking about. Now, there's still a couple years before that becomes exact. But in the meantime, what we are going to have is the United States Neptune from uh, 17, July 4th, 1776, the natal Neptune in the U.S. chart is in Virgo at 23 degrees. And so Neptune in Pisces has been moving toward that opposition, and that's going to become exact this year in 2021 because our country was born when Mars was squaring that Neptune, Mars being at 22 degrees of Gemini. When Neptune this year starts opposing its own position for our country, we'll also have Neptune squaring our Mars that means Neptune, this faraway planet that can be visionary, it can be filled with love and empathy and psychic sensitivity and creative imagination, but with a shadow side of chaos, confusion, nebulosity, Neptune is going to trigger the natal Mars-Neptune square, which is so many mundane or Earth astrologers know and have studied our national chart. One of the biggest areas of difficulty for our country on so many levels is the fact that the United States was born and Mars and Neptune were in a square aspect. Now, of course, 
Thomas Jefferson writing the Declaration of Independence, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, John Adams, all these different people. They didn't know that Neptune wasn't discovered. So if they were aware, as many people think, through Freemasonry and other reasons, that they were aware of astrology, they would have known that Mars was in Gemini. In fact, they didn't know where Uranus was because it wasn't discovered until March of 1781. So in looking at the chart at that time, you had the traditional model of the sun, moon, and the five main planets. So in the America's original birth chart, the sun is in Cancer, and then you got an Aquarius moon, and then Mercury's in Cancer, retrograde, by the way, Venus is in Cancer, uh, Mars is in Gemini, Jupiter is in Cancer, and Saturn's in Libra. That's what they knew. They didn't know about Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. They didn't know where Chiron was. They didn't know where Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta were. They did know where the nodes where the, of the moon were, uh, which were destiny fate points and, and so on. So they were working with certain constructs, uh, astrology tools and techniques of the time, which was far more simplistic in terms of what was going on on July 4th, 1776. So that's another kind of thing. Um, part of what I feel astrologers like myself, but the new generation of astrologers who are mundane or earth-oriented going to have to reevaluate America's birth chart. All these charts, inauguration charts, charts for people, because we've discovered all of these other planets and both asteroids and centaur bodies and outer planets. And of course, there's a whole area of what we call midpoints, natal midpoints of the middle points in the zodiac. I mean, this is a whole other area and I study it a whole lot. But it's, it's complex. So the middle points, there are two midpoints. If you have Mars, say, uh, trine your Venus uh, in your birth chart, then there's a middle point between Venus and Mars. And you, you call one a near midpoint. On the other side of the zodiac is a far midpoint. So you could have transits or progressions to the, the midpoint and activate both planets at the same time. So midpoint analysis is another whole thing. And there's natal midpoints. There are several dozen transiting midpoints, several dozen progressed midpoints, several dozen. That's why I say astrology is kind of like medicine and law and so many different fields, computer technology, whatever area of life you're talking about, art, science, and so on, culture. It's a vast, vast science, art, oracle combination of different things. So again, uh, I got into all this by talking about the Astro Flash that's on uh, the app that you can tune into that section. Another thing I wanted to just mention is the last new moon. On our website, on Great Bear Enterprises, we have global hotspots, new moons, full moons, and eclipses. It's complimentary. The last one I just did is the global hotspot Capricorn new moon of January 12th and 13th. And this is a real tour de force. Um, again, with these global hotspots so that you can learn more about how astrology works. It's complimentary again at Great Fair Enterprises. Then you'll see a world map. This, this reminds you that we have what is called astrocartography or astrolocality. So this is a new area of astrology in the last 30 plus years. Uh, there have been many different proponents, the late Jim Lewis in particular with as, his astrocartography firm Michael Erlewine with astrolocality analysis. So it turns out that, of course, wherever you're born, you can also relocate your chart to other major cities and other parts of the world. At the same instant of time that you took your first breath, you can have, let's say if you're born in San Francisco, 
there's also a New York City chart. You have a Miami chart. You have a uh, Tokyo, Japan chart. You have a chart for Paris, France or Rio de Janeiro chart. And so at the same instant of, t of time that you took your first breath, wherever your birth chart is, if you were to do business in another place, if you were to move to another area or travel somewhere for fun or meeting a partner or uh, some kind of uh, business uh, activity, now the whole world is open to you. And this is a whole fascinating field. In fact, we have um, one of the reports in the astrology report area on our website where there's 15 different kinds of reports, including numerology. We have these Skylog reports on transits and progressions. And we're still having a three for one special, which I heartily recommend getting ready for 2021. You get a Sky Within report and a Skylog for one year. They're both designed by the great astrologer Stephen Forrest, who is a colleague of mine back in the early 80s when Welcome Planet Earth got started. Um, he was writing articles then and, you know, he's had a, a great practice with his wife and uh, different conferences and things he, that he's done. But through Michael Erlewine's Matrix software, he created a really great transit progression program called Skylog. He also created Sky Within, a natal report. So we're offering three of these for one, normally well over $100, $134 approximately, Sky Within, a year of Skylog and a numerology report called the Advanced Personal Numerology Report based on your full name at birth, as well as um, your month, day, and year birth. And all of those wind up being $89.99. And so came up with this idea of the three for one to get you ready for this whole year after the pandemic, even though we still have a crisis in our country, 400,000 people at least have passed away. We're in the middle of flu season. There's all these question marks about delivery of, of the vaccines. We have a large population of anti-vaxxers, of people who believe the, the chemicals in, in uh, vaccines, uh, mercury in vaccines, all kinds of things uh, can create autism and different problems and create allergic reactions that people shouldn't take that. And we're not going to have what's called herd immunity unless we get 85 to 90 percent some people say 75 to 80 percent so to, to wipe out a, a pandemic to get vaccinated. So it's one thing to get Operation Warp Speed and get all these vaccines, Pfizer vaccine, Moderna vaccine, Johnson and Johnson apparently will be coming out soon. And that would be one dose rather than the two doses and would not have to be stored at these ridiculously cold temperatures. So we've got so many controversies going on. So it's one thing to have vaccines. Yay, great, but people need to be vaccinated. And we have to trust that the, vac the vaccines will be okay, that they will have been refrigerated, that the health workers are going to know what they're doing. I just saw some reports out of Kansas that a whole group of nurses don't believe in the vaccine, so wouldn't give people who came to get vaccinated. They refused to do it. I also saw a story, and I Again, I, I, I'm pretty sure this isn't fake news that in San Diego, for whatever reason, and I, I don't want to say it, it was the Moderna one if it wasn't, but one of the three, one of the two vaccines that's now come out, apparently they're using uh, Zepeco Field um, in San Diego, where the San Diego Padres, I guess, play baseball in their parking lot. There was a picture of all these people lined up in their cars and they're getting vac vac vaccinations. And so a lot of these places, and I know the Biden administration wants to establish this. Joe Biden gave a speech the other day, which was for him a really good speech, I thought. So um, I think it was just Friday or a couple of days ago, maybe been Saturday. 
And I was listening to it because it was very realistic and very down to earth of what he wants to do. And it, it's a complete departure from what it what I think was a national failure when it's looked upon in the future and they look back of what was not done during the Trump Pence administration with the task force and all of the behavior patterns and what they didn't do. It's going to be a colossal uh, mistake uh, of not having a national policy and um, not supporting the states. And that's still going on because state governments need desperately need money. And the federal government is the only way to give these states money. Uh, we may remember Mitch McConnell a couple of months ago had said, oh, let the states go bankrupt. I couldn't understand that he was doing that. After all, he is a senator from Kentucky. So does he not want the people from Kentucky being able to have the support they need? So for fire departments, for police departments, for all of these frontline workers and health food workers to avoid layoffs, uh, money has to come from the federal government to supplement this because... Um, not in Oregon, we don't even have a sales tax. In in certain states, particularly when people are going unemployed, they're losing their positions. Then the states uh, don't collect the taxes that they need in order to help, whether it's people picking up garage, uh, your your garbage, or recycling, or again police departments, fire departments, health clinics. The list goes on. So the, the federal government has to work with the state governments, and this is a really crucial problem. At any rate, the Capricorn new moon of January 12th, 13th is still affecting us. And so if you go to Global Hotspot, complimentary on Earth Aquarius, uh, excuse me, on, on Great Bear Enterprises, you'll be able to read more about full moons and new moons. And Earth Aquarius News was the name of our website before, and now our news section is Earth Aquarius News. And there are dozens of of complimentary articles in there, including, as I've said before, um, The Wound That Never Heals, America's Turning Point of the 20th Century, my focus, uh, just about my main focus on an individual, well, definitely on an individual, on JFK, his life and his death. That's in the Earth Aquarius News section. You should take a look at that story if you haven't. And also about nuclear energy, uh, which is my big topic, going all the way back to 1982, that's 38 years ago, about astrology connected to atomic and nuclear energy, going back to the first nuclear chain uh, reaction in Chicago on December 2nd, 1942. And so you can see that story. And what's really important is that Joe Biden is born November 20th, 1942. So he's born 12 days before the first nuclear chain reaction started the nuclear atomic age. That was in Chicago, December 2nd, 1942. I've done enormous amounts of research. Again, I did it 38 years ago. And eventually I'm gonna read from several uh, cover stories over the years about the whole process and what it's all about. But at least you could get an inkling of that by looking at that story. Okay, so I'm gonna rattle off a couple of things. We'll see whether or not at the end I'm gonna read Timeline to War, I'm not sure. We'll see about that. One thing I, I wanted to mention though, and I didn't get to mention this on Coast to Coast, is that Russia is having a Saturn return. When I say Russia, the Soviet Union, I mean, the, the country of Russia, the enormous country goes back hundreds and a thousand or 2000 years. However, we're not talking about the czars, that was a different kind of epic. As I've shared before, countries like people reincarnate. So there are different republics, there are different independence movements and revolutionary movements. 
uh, what we call England and the United Kingdom, they have various charts. France, again, the fifth French Republic. The United States, we only have one chart. Although, depending on what happens in the next couple of years, if there is some kind of secession of states and some kind of splits or whatever it is, there might be something that would change in our future and there'd be like a new America, so to speak. Hopefully, we'll hang on to the old America as far as I'm concerned. I would. We, we had the Civil War and the Union stayed together from 1861 to 1865, barely, and it was not that easy. And now we have another struggle uh, where many people keep talking about the new Civil War. And we, let's just hope, at least in my personal feelings and ideas, that, that we do not have something that would be a calamitous situation in splitting our society. But over in Russia, um, the, the, the new Russia chart goes back to Christmas uh, 1991 when the Soviet Union died. It was after the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. I've shared more about this, the rise of Gorbachev in 1985, who's a sun sign Pisces. And, uh, and then uh, the, the uh, hammer and sickle were lowered at the Kremlin and the Russian flag, the tricolor Russia flag flew up at the Kremlin. And uh, that was in December 25, 1991, and Saturn was in Aquarius, and now one Saturn cycle has gone by. So they're having their first Saturn return. Now, it is not exact yet, as I'm sharing with this on January 18th, but it will be happening in the beginning of February. It's one time. Sometimes in Saturn returns, as you may know, the Saturn return cycle for each of us when we're 28, 29, 30, Saturn comes back. But sometimes it's three times within like eight or nine months due to Saturn going retrograde. And so we have three phases within nine months of whatever Saturn means, which is who am I? Where am I going? What does my life mean? It's kind of the structure of your life. Saturn has many different positive meanings, but also challenging meanings. But then a second Saturn cycle can happen when you're 58, 59, 60, if you reach that particular age, and then there's another Saturn cycle. In the meantime, um, Russia, the, the Russia that we understand under Putin at this point, and again, he has his own chart. He's born with the sun in Libra, close to Saturn, which is also close to the United States Saturn. So this is part of the reason why he's a big challenge to us as a country and to our own president, whoever our president may be, because his sun and Saturn are together in Libra. And that is all on our own Saturn in Libra from uh, July 4th, 1776. Recently, I also realized that his Jupiter is exactly no orb. I mean, not even a minute of arc off from our Vesta, our natal Vesta, uh, which we'll get into, is 19 degrees Taurus 45 minutes. Um, and, and so his uh, Vladimir Putin's Jupiter is exact at that point. It's part of the reason we're so concerned about interventions and hacking of the Russians um, and their governmental organizations into our election systems, the thing that happened um, that we now realize through that Solar Winds organization where they were hacking into our infrastructure and our Homeland Security Department, our Commerce Department, possibly other departments that we'll never know about, um, a gigantic scandal um, and, a, and a, a great uh, upset. And this, as I've often shared, this has a lot to do with our palace Athena conjunct our moon because palace Athena has a lot to do with how we defend ourselves. It has a lot to do with our immune systems, how we protect ourselves. And then Vesta has a lot to do with safety and security, including national safety and security. Vesta has many archetypes connected to investment and insurance, 
the, the home and the hearth, the eternal flame, those concepts, as well as sisterhood and brotherhood bonds. It has all kinds of important meanings, as well as embassies and uh, diplo diplomats and diplomacy. This all gets goes back in particular to the great work of Eleanor Bach and other um, astrologers work with the asteroids. Uh, keys, locks, safety, security, this is all connected to Vesta. So our, in our national chart, we have Vesta at 19 degrees, Taurus in 45 minutes, and um, uh, Putin, Vladimir Putin's Jupiter is exactly at that point with no orb. And um, by the way, that reminds me that in the whole, those two Vesta podcasts, eight, number 18 and 19, where I read from the Vesta Covenant, this, the uh, cover story from almost 29 years ago, Taurus of 1992, where I did this research that connected Hitler and Nazism and America's manifest destiny. It shows you that as much as the asteroids can be very positive, every single planet, including Venus and Jupiter, can have a shadow side. So traditionally, we would say Mars and Saturn, they're the malefics. But Venus and Jupiter, if they're not functioning well or we misuse them, they can be um, negative. Ceres, Pallas Athena, Juno and Vesta, they have wonderful archetypes of, of feminine goddess energies when they're working well, but each of them has a shadow side. Every single celestial body, sun, moon, Mercury, go down the whole list. Now, traditionally, again, you might think Pluto, oh, negative, god of the underworld, um, mysteries, secrets, things that are repressed, phobias. Uh, nevertheless, there are positive qualities of Pluto. Um, so there's all kinds of uh, energies. Saturn, again, is considered often related to karma and restrictions and um, pessimism and depression, but it's also logic and hard work and responsibility and executive authority and being organized and focused. So every single celestial body, that's, that's what I often refer to in, in people's birth charts. We have free will and we have destiny and fate due to the fact that we come in as souls and spirits and there's a purpose to why we are take our first breath on a particular month, day, and year at a particular time in a particular place and being orchestrated through higher angelic or spiritual uh, energies and guides as well as through the souls and spirits of our parents and so on. There is a great orchestration to all of this even if we can't see it. So these asteroids are very important. Um, I, I'm so thankful that when I got into astrology in 1972-73 that I had a teacher like Eleanor Bach. Now my male teachers, particularly Dane Rudyard, Dr. Mark Edmund Jones, they're far more male teachers for me. But again, Alice A. Bailey, who is not really an astrologer, but she uh, brought through the Tibetan Master DK's teachings. There's a, all these volumes I've talked about from lucistrust.org, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T.org. Also, the Lucis Publishing Company, World Goodwill, Triangles, their whole organization, the Arcane School in New York City where I worked for a couple of years in 1974-75 after Eleanor Bach became one of my main teachers about the asteroids in particular. And she was just brilliant. And again, she wrote for Welcome to Planet Earth. Uh, just before her passing, she I think she wrote on every single asteroid. I have to look back. And I even wrote, um, read from some of her articles um, in, the, in some previous podcasts, particularly about Pallas Athena. Because these podcasts started uh, in... The first 17 back in uh, May of 2019 and the summer of 2019, um, when I first started everything, um, 
This had to do with the fact the first 17 podcasts were about the United States secondary progressed son and secondary progressed pals Athena coming into a conjunction for the first time ever in Pisces. So while our country, um, when we when our country was born at the Declaration of Independence, the moon and Pallas Athena were together in Aquarius, but we never had the sun with Pallas Athena. And that's what I suddenly realized was happening a couple of years ago. Then Trump became president, and I fine-tuned all of this. And when the Mueller uh, situation began, and then the impeachment energies, all of this Pallas Athena energy of wisdom and knowledge and equality and justice, as well as... Uh, protecting the country from Russian interference and even our own president undermining different things and so on. So it turned out and still still happening that the sun and, and Pallas Athena by progression, along with Sedna, which is a faraway planet discovered in November 2003, the natal Sedna of that particular planet and its progressed position is in the middle of Pisces. Pallas Athena is progressed sec by secondary progression in the middle of Pisces, and so is the sun. So we actually have three celestial bodies that are still hanging around together in the middle of Pisces. And that's part of the reason we've gone through all these conflagrations, including all the uh, mess of the pandemic and not being able to coordinate and know what we're doing. You've got a goddess energy like Pallas Athena that requires a really clear Pro series of problem-solving techniques, a real knowledge and a wisdom that we haven't had. Um, and then at the same time, there's Sedna, this faraway planet that has a lot to do with the icy cold depths of the ocean. Um, those movies that came out for children, particularly Frozen, connected to this mythology of Sedna, uh, this goddess energy for this particular planet from Inuit um, Eskimo mythology, but she's a goddess energy of the ocean depths, but often the condition of being frozen. And that's what the country, the, our country has been frozen in all of these problems in these areas. And Pallas Athena, instead of allowing us to have an ability to solve all of this. But what's interesting is about uh, Joe Biden's chart is filled with very strong Pallas Athena. He has a Pallas Athena conjunction uh, next to Vesta. So these two celestial bodies, which are so crucial for the safety and security of the country and to protect the safety and security, he has them together in Aquarius in his third house of communication. So you'll see that that's one of the special things that he has that's really exceptional. And Kamala Harris, very interestingly, in the top of her chart, she has Chiron, the wounded healer energy, the builder of rainbow bridges, as well as psychic sensitivity and being a shaman and a mentor, her natal Chiron is exactly where the secondary progressed sun, Pallas Athena, and Sedna are in the U.S. chart. You can't make this up. It's just an extraordinary kind of thing. So that's up in her 10th house. Both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have very strong Chiron energies. So they both have Chiron elevated. And uh, Chiron, again, discovered 1977, is also connected to twilight zones of strange time and things that are uncertain and unusual. Uh, I've gotten into this so many times and written so much about Chiron, particularly connected to Rod Serling, who lived a Chiron cycle of 50 years. Uh, he was born in 1924 when Chiron returned to where it was in the U.S. chart at uh, 20 degrees of Aries, and he lived 50 years, which is a Chiron cycle, and he created the Twilight Zone. So also, Wayne, uh, Zane Stein had created, uh, had written some major books uh about Chiron, and he's the one who 
uh, coined the term chirological time. So we have chronological time, of course, related to Saturn, our regular system of timing, um, which is more of the structure of the day and the different kind of ways in which we segment things of what, what we're going to do and when we're going to do it in terms of meeting people at a particular time of day and so on. But chirological time is more of higher dimensional time we're outside of uh, regular time. And that's why, for instance, uh, with JFK and when he was assassinated November 22nd, 1963, it was exactly on the day of Chiron not moving, precisely right on that day. And we were all thrown out of chronological time and thrown into a whole other level of things. Now, I did a podcast all on chirological cycles, and I've shared a lot about this before. And also, when you read the article, if you haven't done so, The Wound That Never Heals, America's Turning Point of the 20th Century in the Earth Aquarius News section about JFK, you'll, you'll hear, you'll read what I, what I uh, shared about Chiron and its enormous power. So it turns out uh, Joe Biden has Chiron on his own north node, elevated in his chart, and his, one of the reasons he wound up actually defeating President uh, Trump is Joe Biden's elevated Chiron conjunct his North Node is on President Trump's horizon, uh, which is late Leo. And again, the other thing about the Chiron energy, I, sh I should mention, it's not just the wounded healer, it's being acqu acquainted with grief, having to deal with grief experiences of different kinds. So both uh, Kamala Harris and particularly Joe Biden, of course, who lost his, his wife and his daughter in a car accident when he turned 29 during a Saturn return, his first Saturn return, and then he had to take care of his, his sons, Bo and, and, um, and Hunter, and then of course got remarried, became the senator, did all these different things, and vice president, and then Bo Biden, his, his eldest son, died of uh, brain cancer 2015, and he and Bo Biden had been attorney general of Delaware, and he and Kamala Harris became close because she was the attorney general of California. So that's one of the hidden realities of how Kamala Harris and Bo Biden, uh, Joe's son, had become incredibly close. So when she was running for the presidency, and then in that first debate where she said, hey, I'm the four-year-old kid, um, and sort of uh, tell it like it was to Joe Biden, because Joe Biden over the years in the Senate often had to deal with segregationist uh, senators from the Deep South and wound up um, not at times having to agree to, with what was going on in order to pass different legislation. And so when we look back on that kind of Monday morning quarterbacking, looking back at Joe Biden's career, very often we will see, hey, you know, could you have stood for more uh, higher principles? Why did you have to work with people who had segregationist uh, views and so on? It's very interesting, the connection between Kamala Harris becoming the first woman vice president and being the first woman of color with her mother from India, her father from Jamaica. Uh, this is like an extraordinary series of, of uh, circumstances or synchronicities that no one could have anticipated that these two people would have uh, both wound up on this ticket. And I did do two podcasts um, on the, the Biden-Harris ticket. I don't know if I have the numbers in front of me, but you, if you go to the website again, you will find them. So um, I think they're 50, maybe 56, yeah, 56 and 57, parts one and two, the astrology of the Biden-Harris ticket. So um, back to, um, I don't want to forget this um, about Russia, though. This is something we're going to bring up in future podcasts, 
went uh, in this 2021 and beyond astrology, soul awakening. Uh, right now, Alexei Navalny um, has just come back. Remember, he was the opposition candidate. He's born, just so you know, I was looking this up, June 4th, 1976. Very interesting chart. Sun and Gemini, This he's the progressive candidate who was poisoned uh, a couple of weeks ago or maybe uh, almost two months ago. And he he went to Germany and he just came back to Moscow and now he's under detention for a month. And um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here because he has already called today, not so much for him, that people should come out for him, but because he represents the forces of progress there, and he's only 44 years old. Again, he was born June 4th, 1976. And um, meanwhile, so he, 1976, he's born in that year, and, and um, Putin is born in 1952. So they've got 24 years of difference there. So this is a young fellow, 44 years old. And I think to some extent, he represents a real um, challenge to Putin and his authoritarianism there. And since Russia is going through a Saturn return here starting in February, uh, this, this guy comes back and he's, he's a very courageous person who was poisoned and could have died. What's interesting is that he's born at a first quarter moon phase. And I've shared a lot about these phases, particularly quarter moons are very challenging. They're underrated. Um, JFK born with the first quarter moon phase, um, sun in Gemini and moon in Virgo. That's actually the same energy of uh, Alexei Navalny, born June 4th of 1776. So his sun is in Gemini and moon is in Virgo. That's the same exact first quarter phase of John F. Kennedy. Um, the other thing that's interesting with him is that his son and Venus are close together, which is the same pattern of Joe Biden. Uh, as I shared before, Joe Biden is born with sun conjunct Venus and Scorpio. I refer to Joe Biden as a Venusian because he came into uh, the Earth plane in uh, November of 1942 when the Earth, the sun, and Venus on the far side of the sun are lined up. That's what's called a full Venus. Okay, When, when Venus is retrograde and conjunct the sun, we have what's called a new Venus. That's Earth, Venus uh, in between the Earth and the sun and Venus going retrograde. So just like Mercury, with these Mercury retrograde cycles, they're not bad. Mercury, as I've shared in podcast 25, um, there's a tremendous amount of power of Mercury retrograde. We should not consider retrograding planets as inherently evil or negative or wrong or creating a whole bunch of mistakes. When planets are retrograde, they're moving in counterpoint to the sun and moon that always go forward. And to that extent, when planets are retrograde in their own realm in terms of Mercuriness uh, for Mercury, uh, or in Saturn and the outer planets, they go retrograde for five months out of every year, almost half the year, and nobody is squawking about, oh my God, Mercury, uh, Saturn is retrograde, or oh my God, Neptune is retrograde, because it, it, it's one phase of the year and it lasts for like five months. With Mercury, it's doing it three times a year. It, it goes retrograde more frequently because it's a fast-moving planet. But somehow in our thought forms of the modern world, again, if you go to Google or Safari, particularly if you go to Google and you, you put in the phrase Mercury retrograde and then you click on images, you're going to see dozens and do dozens of these seemingly clever images, uh, road, road signs, you know, detour Mercury retrograde with the Mercury symbol and the RX from Mercury as if it's a stop sign or, you know, get off this road, Mercury retrograde. 
and we sort of play around with this idea that, yeah, Mercury's retrograde, so messages are going to be lost and luggage will be lost and don't start any businesses and don't make any agreements. And it's just totally ridiculous. The thing is, is that I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it's totally ridiculous. The point is, is that, yeah, you have to be careful when Mercury is in reverse, but you have to be careful every day when Mercury goes forward. There are messages lost every day. When Mercury's direct, messages are lost. Luggage doesn't always get lost when Mercury's retrograde. We don't always have health problems and business problems and different things that relate to Mercury only when it's retrograde. When, when a planet is retrograde, we, we just had Mars retrograde, and, and I did a whole research on that. It's, it's podcast 59 at the election. And that, that happened um, 32 years before that Mars was also retrograde and um, during an election. So it doesn't happen all the time. And when we get situations where, say, every 32 years Mars is retrograde, I mean, Mars is retrograde every two years, but not always at an election in November. We just had that. And while I refer to uh, Joe Biden as a Venusian, and he is very clearly because he has Sun conjunct Venus, you can tell it in his voice, tell it in terms of, of the grief he's had to deal with in his life and his sensitivity and trying to help all Americans, whether we whether we agree with his politics or not, he's clearly somebody who's well acquainted with grief and he's a compassionate person, he's an empathic person, and you can tell that in terms of looking at his life. Now, you may disagree with some of his politics. I have disagreements with him as well. Same thing with Kamala Harris. Both of them have very, very strong Chiron energy so dealing with grief, dealing with the wounds of the country and trying to heal those wounds, we definitely have that very strong. Whereas the current president who's about to leave office has his son in Gemini in the United States, Mars, and is born with Mars rising. And we've had too much Mars and not enough Venus. At uh, any rate, this is going to be very interesting. There are other things I won't get into at all at this moment, but we're going to have to watch Alexei Navalny, Vladimir Putin, and Russia um, and at Saturn return. So that is something that's very powerful. And we want to take a look at that down the road. So I'm sort of getting ahead of myself, but it is something uh, very important we want to we want to take a look at. Um, again, one other thing about the Vesta. Um, the, I know I read the story, the Vesta Covenant, um, about, um, well, it's on page three of that particular edition, the Taurus 1992 issue. So you'll see that cover image in podcast 19 and I did read that story and it's you know I'd love to reread it but it's really really fascinating I mean I did read it uh, a, a year and a half ago so it's still in there in that podcast and there's the reason well let me just say the the reason right now we'll take a, a, a stronger look at it I've shared this a little bit before in the last inauguration chart for uh, Donald Trump on in two, 2017 I remember there was an astrologer, a younger astrologer in the East Coast, looking ahead at that January 20th, 2017, and saying, wow, all the planets are going direct. There's nothing retrograde. But of course, for whatever reason, she's not an astrologer who's well acquainted with the four main asteroids. To me, the four main asteroids, and we have, by the way, the four asteroids and Chiron report, which if you haven't ordered it, again, it's in the astrology shop. It's a great report. It's not transits, but it's the four main asteroids and Chiron in their zodiacal signs, their houses, there's uh, archetypal meanings of their mythology, why they mean what they mean, and their alignments in the birth chart. 
and it's a very well-written report with a lot of great information. So if you're not familiar with the asteroids, this is one of the ways to get into it. At any rate, at the 2017 inauguration, this I remember this astrologer, not I, I don't know her name, and, and I'm not knocking her astrology, except for the fact that she made a, a big deal about the fact as if everything's going direct, as if it's going to be maybe really good or wonderful. You know, that's presuming that if you had retrogrades, that they would be bad, and I don't assume that they're bad in the first place. As I'm saying, to some extent, when planets are retrograde, relative to kowtowing before the sun and moon always going forward, when a planet is retrograde, it's more in its own essence. It's kind of like taking a step back from following with all the normal pageantry of all the planets are just moving ahead. Uh, see, we make an assumption that planets going direct and moving through the zodiac in the normal direction or going forward is the right thing. Well, we're 93 million miles from the sun. As I shared before, there is heliocentric astrology. It's just that we don't live on the sun. But people like Michael Erlewine have spent an enormous part of their career saying, hey, the heliocentric chart that you have, that's your spiritual chart. The same moment that you as a soul incarnate on Earth and have a body born at a moment of time, a month, day, and year, moment of time in a particular place on Earth. That's your personality life. That's your, hey, this is what I want to do on Earth with my family and my friends and businesses and what I want to contribute to society and the world. Meanwhile, at the same instant that you have your Earth chart, there's your heliocentric chart. Well, you might say, well, why would I have another chart? Because you're not just an Earthling. You are a soul and a spirit, part of the whole solar system. And at the center of the solar system is the sun. Well, a person like Michael Erlewine did all this research with all these charts and alignments of, of patterns, particularly whole, whole chart type of patterns. This was one of the great works of Dr. Mark Edmund Jones in terms of looking at the geocentric charts back in the 1940s, one of his great books. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but one of the most important things about whole chart patterns uh, where half the planets are on one side or the other, these split kind of patterns or triangular patterns in a chart or asymmetric patterns. And Dr. Mark Edmund Jones, one of the great astrologers and a colleague to Dane Rudger, who is one of my main mentors. So um, Dr. Mark Edmund Jones gave us these different archetypes, um, kind of holistic or gestalt-like patterns in the geocentric chart that we use all the time for our own, uh, our own destiny patterns on Earth. But again, there's this other chart that we have where you don't have the sun because the sun is at the center. So you, you get rid of the moon. You have Earth in the chart. You can have the asteroids and you have the main planets and you use uh, basically an archetypal chart, let's say Aries zero on the first house and you go around in equal, equal houses, uh, Aries on the first house, Taurus on the second, and you, you slot in all the celestial bodies. There's no moon. Instead of the earth, uh, excuse me, instead of the sun and the moon, you have an earth. And the earth is going to be wherever your, your sun sign is. If you're born with the sun at 15 of Leo, the earth is going to be a 15 of Aquarius when you do your heliocentric chart. So wherever your sun is in your birth chart on earth, then in your heliocentric chart, because the sun is your base and foundation, there's no sun. And the moon is so small that you don't even need it because the earth is then in the chart for heliocentric astrology. The moon disappears and you've got an earth. And so you're working with a whole bunch of different setups. 
And there's a whole different system. It's pretty fascinating. Very fascinating. And to Michael Erlewine, I mean, it's like the be-all and end-all. I mean, we've got this higher level reality that corresponds more to who we are as spiritual beings in the whole solar system. So, again, even on our uh, website where you can order charts, if uh, and I'm not trying to get everybody to do this because it takes a lot of work, but just so you know, and there may be different software programs that, that you're familiar with if you're into them, where you can look at your heliocentric chart and you can, you can, you can calculate it. And it's very interesting to take a look at those particular positions. Now, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, the outer planets in the heliocentric chart will be very close to your own geocentric planets because they are far away uh, from the Earth and the Sun. So they're not going to deviate very much. But the fascinating thing is you get an Earth instead of a Moon and a Sun, and the positions of Mercury, Venus, and Mars become very significant. And there are other factors to get into, um, which have to do with per perihelion and aphelion, how close a planet is in its orbit toward um, the Sun or away from the Sun, and other factors that come into play in a heliocentric chart. I wasn't really planning to talk about it, but uh, I think it's really interesting to look at that. So again, um, let's see, where do I want to go from here? I think what we need to do, so I don't lose too much um, direction here. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I want to go over some of the pages here before I get into the six charts. Um, well, a couple of things. So let me talk about if you go to the folder um, at Great Pair Enterprises, um, where the whole section Mark Learner Astrology Radio so there's the cover story timeline to war from planet earth you'll see also i've i put a picture of edgar casey on atlantis um it's a thin little book the reason I, I i've had this book for years i have a lot of edgar casey studies he was uh, a sun sign pisces fascinating things i've mentioned before in his book um edgar casey uh edgar casey's story of jesus um which is not just on Jesus, but it's fascinating stuff on astrology and all kinds of things in that book. But this thin little book on Atlantis, I've always been fascinated when I got into all of his metaphysical fields in the very beginning, the Tarot, the Kabbalah, metaphysics, uh, numerology and astrology. I also got into um, all the legends about Atlantis, about um, the Great Pyramid, these ancient cult, uh, continents and so on, like Atlantis and Lemuria. And this is a little book. It's very small, but it's really fascinating. And it has a number of Edgar Cayce's um, uh, trance uh, experiences and giving guidance about what had happened a really long time ago, particularly connections between Egypt, ancient Egypt, and Atlantis. Again, it's a very thin volume. And it's, again, edited by Edgar Ed Evans Cayce. So I guess he's one of uh, grandchild or son or, or grandson of Edgar Casey, but I recommend that. Then you'll see, uh, I don't always mention Charles Carter, but I put together these books. Just look at these titles. Um, An Introduction to Political Astrology, The Zodiac and the Soul, The Principles of Astrology, The Astrological Aspects, The Astrology of Accidents, Essays on the Foundations of Astrology, and An Encyclopedia of Psychological Astrology. Who was Charles Carter? He was a great British astrologer of the 1900s. Awesome and very connected to this whole field of mundane astrology. That book in particular, Political Astrology. Um, 
any rate, he is another person. I don't mention him nearly as much as I mentioned Dane Rudger or um, uh, Eleanor Bach, but again, a wonderful teacher. And in my classes, the School of Planetary Studies, which again, there's 36 one-hour lessons. You'll see that on the website. It used to be, uh, believe it or not, cassette tapes with a small group of students done in 1985 over a period of years uh, with... Uh, a guidebook of of lesson notes as well as many charts and now you can sign up for an incredibly low rate $199 still doing that for all 36 one-hour classes the notes and the charts um, so people like Charles Carter and uh, Dane Rudyard and Eleanor Bach and Evangeline Adams another great female astrologer um, Dr. Mark Edmund Jones and so on Alan Leo uh, Grant Louie, you'll see his book here, also Astrology for the Millions, Grant Louie. We're offering a complimentary heaven knows what report based on uh, Grant Louie and a Just for Women report, two complimentary reports over the next couple of days this week with any $75 order when you go to our astrology shop. If you order a consultation, you order classes, a series of reports, if, if your order is $75 or more, you get two of these reports which are have a value of about 50 some odd dollars, 50 to 60 dollars. So one of the reports is based on these concepts from Astrology for the Millions. Now you'll see this paperback book cover, over 250,000 copies sold. It's uh, published by Llewellyn Publishers. They've published many astrology materials. So you'll see that image there as well. And then um, the Ephemerides of the Asteroids, Ceres, Pallas, Juno, Vesta, 1900 to 2000. That's the hardcover original uh, book there um, that opened the door to the asteroids. Um, Ceres, Pallas, Juno, and Vesta. Pa I call her Pallas Athena from Eleanor Bach. Uh, right when I started uh, my work in 1973, fortunate uh, that she was able to come out with that and change uh, all of our lives and open the door to so many of these different uh planetary realities um, and then three books by Dane Rudyard also if you go to the folder at Great Bear Enterprise an astrological study of psychological complexes his first main book the astrology of personality which originally was published from Lucis Publishing by the way he was very close with Alice Bailey and Lucis Publishing and the astrology of America's destiny uh, a birth chart for the United States of America um, I don't know if I included I might have forgotten but esoteric healing is one of the Tibetan master DK uh, teachings through Alice A. Bailey at, from Lucis Publishing, over 24 incredible volumes like Esoteric Astrology, The Destiny of the Nations, A Treatise on Cosmic Fire, A Treatise on White Magic, Esoteric Psychology, the list goes on. One of the profound books that I wanted to recommend, and I don't remember if I actually have that image up, but it's called Esoteric Healing. It, the image should be on there uh, in the folder for Podcast 72. That can be ordered from Lucis uh, Trust, uh, lucistrust.org. At least you can look into it. I'm not saying just go out and get it. it th there's a lot of complexity to it. But there's a, also a lot of astrology connected to the different chakras. There's a fantastic section on what happens when, when a person dies and what, what goes on on the soul dimensions uh, being disincarnate. It's about the best way I can put it. There's like, oh, I don't know, 50, 60 incredible pages, and I've reread it over and over. Um, 
but there's 700 pages about esoteric healing and chakras and the cause of diseases. And with the pandemic happening, this would definitely be an extraordinary goldmine if you want to get into this. Again, it's not an easy subject, but it's pretty fascinating. So I wanted to share some of those. Um, what I, I mentioned before, and um, I think what I'm going to have to do here is part four is going to have to be my really getting into the astrology of a new American disaster, the January 6th, um, this whole listing of things. Um, I am going to go over the chart for it, and you'll have all these key charts. But there are so many things that I typed in here, and I think what I'm going to do is, um, I mentioned again, disaster and catastrophe. These are words that come out of the idea of going against the stars, because the word aster, which is part of catastrophe and disaster are those words. So we shouldn't just throw them around, but literally when we go back hundreds of years, the, the reason we have these words in our etymology come from the idea that when human beings would make mistakes or in terms of warlords or tyrants, which would go against people and kingdoms and devastate in different kind of armies, um, we would have potentially disasters and catastrophes. And now, of course, through plague, through tornadoes, through acts of God in that way, then we often would say, well, that was a disaster. And that, that is more akin to the actual way in which these words came up. But we can also have human disasters because of going the wrong direction or using willpower malevolently. And that's why I came up with that title, The Astrology of the New American Disaster of this mob scene and this mob mentality, which was really inspired by people like D Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and some of these different um, new uh, forces in the conservative Republican Party who kept believing that somehow or another the election was stolen from Trump. I don't want to go back into litigating that whole thing, but if you went through my podcast uh, all of last year and I explained uh, so clearly what was going on and why um, the president of the United States was orchestrating um, this illusion, as has often happened with his work as a former reality TV uh, host. There's been so much of that uh, orchestration, um, which are illusions and things that are not real that get perpetrated to make it seem to the public that he's right and he knows what's going on when there's a con game going on. And uh, it's, a, it's a very, now we see the results of that with, with what happened with the Capitol. So there may be people out there that are listening to this who think, you know, that Donald Trump is the second coming, that he is he's cleaning the swamp and doing all these different things. And it's really so far from the actual reality. And um, growing up in New York City, um, when you, are around a person and you see the news and you see the different stories of what he did, what his family did in real estate and casinos, and particularly in terms of uh, racism relative to uh, just so many things that happened in terms of apartment buildings and other kind of projects and the different behavior um, and knowing that he's never been a Republican and never been a conservative. And this has all been a kind of vast uh, branding exercise and con game gone terribly wrong for the United States. It's just horrifying to see that this was inevitable. Um, but I always felt that the, the first impeachment, even the second one, even though you can't just let a person, you know, ride roughshod over the American people, 
it always had to come down to American voters actually voting him out of office. Did, nobody knew what was really going to happen um, over all the months in 2000 and there, 2020. And if the president of the United States, if Donald Trump had actually done significant things and stayed on course and didn't call everything a hoax and didn't worry about um, the economy being a problem and actually accepted the truth of medicine and science and scientists uh, along the way, we wouldn't have so many hundreds of thousands of people who've lost their lives. And um, even if we were to give him credit for Operation Warp Speed, nevertheless, we now see here at the end of the year, so many of these promises of how many people would would be given uh, vaccines and what would be rolling out. And now we have all kinds of terrible delays and frustrations in terms of getting the vaccines out and making sure they're valid and they're refrigerated and so, so much. So we see that that whole task force, that whole inner structure or the so-called infrastructure of getting everything out, all these claims, oh, it's going to be this and so many doses will be available. And here we are now in the last 24 to 36 hours of the Trump administration and all the reports are that um, there's so many uh, doses of vaccines that have not been delivered and delays and all kinds of things. And uh, it just was a, has been a, a terrible situation for the entire country. So at any rate, this, this does have a lot to do with the shadow side of Vesta. So the thing I want, want to shift to, we'll take a look at what I typed up. I'm going to go through that in part four. But let me shift gears into these charts. So the one thing I want to talk about with the inauguration chart that is really, really crucial has to do with Vesta. Literally tomorrow, um, Vesta stops, makes a station, goes retrograde. And I've been watching this for several months. And when you look at the inauguration chart, I, was, uh, I never got to that, that particular point um, a while back. In the inauguration chart for 2017, Vesta was retrograde and at the bottom of the chart. It was exactly opposite the United States Pluto in Capricorn. So one of the problems, aside from the fact that, as I've said before, Eris, the outer planet Eris, was exactly on Sedna in Donald Trump's own chart when he took the oath of office on January 20th, 2017. But this asteroid that has to do with the safety and security of the country, with home and hearth, with um, uh, secret organizations like NSA, CIA, the Mossad, the KKK, and the list goes on. Um, this is part of the shadow side, shall we say, of Vesta energy, but particularly Vesta has a lot to do with safety and security, sisterhoods and brotherhoods, and also occult energies and the concept of the um, eternal flame. Uh, for instance, at JFK's uh, gravesite um, at Arlington National Cemetery. By the way, I just saw that there, uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, former Presidents Clinton and Bush um, and Obama and their wives, they're all going to go over to Arlington National Cemetery, again, under protection. And I think they're laying a, uh, a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier or in, in some capacity there. So they're going to Arlington National Cemetery as part of the ritual of to honor the military um, and just the whole um, sort of ancestral line of the country. And that should be very moving. A lot of this will be on TV and hopefully everything well protected. In the inauguration chart of 2017 on January 20th, again, Vesta is the only retrograding planet and it's underneath the Earth. 
and opposing the United States Pluto. So issues having to do with safety and security of the country was very big. And now we're having a situation which is even more extreme. Vesta is not only going to be retrograde at this inauguration, uh, and we know, and I've reported this before, we're having um, a void moon. We'll get back into that in a moment and the power of the void moon. But I've shared about it a lot in some of the previous podcasts. But Vesta is going to be um, in the fifth house in the inauguration chart. You'll see that for noon, January 20th, 2021, happening in just two days. And you'll see Vesta, 21 degrees, Virgo, 23 minutes. And it's not moving. The planet that is stationary has extraordinary power for good or for ill. Here's the problem. The United States natal Mars is 21 degrees, Gemini, 22. This Vesta station is exact within 1 60th of a degree, not a half a degree, not a degree, not two degrees, 1 60th of one degree, virtually exact. So Vesta, which has so much to do with safety and security, whether good or not good, and all these other themes, insurance coverage, how we invest time and money into people or in situations or in jobs, um, sisterhood, brotherhood themes, uh, secret organizations, organizations like the CIA, the FBI, the, the NSA, Homeland Security, and so on. They're all connected to Vesta. Now you might say, how is it possible? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't they connect to Saturn? Yeah, partly to Saturn. Wouldn't they connect to Jupiter? Of course. All the different planets will have some connection to safety and security of the nation, to um, sisterhood themes, brotherhood. But Vesta in particular is connected to all of this in a very big, big way. The other thing is that where Vesta is stopping 21 plus a Virgo is one degree from a conjunction to the United States Neptune. And now we know if you look at the U.S. chart that I've included um, with all these asteroids, at the top of the U.S. chart, you'll see the trident of Neptune, 22 Virgo. So the Vesta station is within one degree of that spot. And there's also... You'll see the letter CHA, which stands for a planet called Chaos, which is the name of a planet like Eris and Sedna that's beyond Pluto. I believe it has an orbit of about 300 years. And it turns out for the U.S., we have Chaos conjunct Neptune at the top of our chart. The Midhaven or the top of any birth chart has a lot to do with what we're striving for and how the world sees us and how we look out on the world. Again, we didn't know that Neptune was up there. We didn't know that chaos was up there because those Neptune was not discovered till September 23rd, 1846. This chaos planet was not discovered until, I don't know, about 20 years ago or somewhere around there. But it's always been out there. And now we know that it's there. Now, I decided to in all these charts to give a whole variety. I'm not going to get into them now, but in in the future, I'm going to take a look at some of these positions, which I find really fascinating. Um, some planets that I'm particularly getting into, I, I've mentioned now Quayor. If you look at the U.S. chart in the third house, uh, in that particular chart, you'll see the crescent moon, 2656 Aquarius. Pallas Athena, 26 Aquarius 32. Quayor, 26 Aquarius 02. That's amazing. That's out of the 360 degrees of the zodiac, the powerful moon, closest uh, celestial body to us, Pallas Athena um, in the asteroid zone between Mars and, and Jupiter, and then far out in space beyond Pluto, we got Quayar, and they're all inhabiting one degree. Now that's the area where Mercury is going to make its station on January 30th. That's only 10 days after this inauguration. 
Anyway, back to the inaugural chart. What, what happened was I also discovered at the second inauguration of Abraham Lincoln, March 4th, 1865, um, a very powerful Vesta position in that chart. And again, as I've shared before, unfortunately, one way or another, sometimes I see parallels of things going on. For instance, JFK had a, had a void moon. Uh, the second inauguration of, of Richard Nixon was a void moon. The second inauguration of Bill Clinton was a void moon. Um, Franklin Roosevelt's fourth inauguration, we had a void moon. Um, and then most recently, Barack Obama's first inauguration, there was a void moon. Now, a void moon doesn't necessarily mean, you know, there's there has to be a disaster to the president or the administration. But the traditional symbol of the void moon is that whatever is sort of planned or organized, things don't happen in that direction. It, void moons can be good for finishing old business and, and definitely not jumping into something new. So one of the dangers of this new void, of this new inauguration is for the first two hours from, um, from the taking of oaths at about noon uh, in Washington, D.C. on January 20th, the moon is going to be in the last degree of Aries. And you'll see it there, the crescent moon in house number 12. Well, in the inauguration chart on March 4th, the old date for inaugurations, 1865, Abraham Lincoln gives a second inaugural address. Just like at this one coming up, there's a first quarter moon now, uh, the sun in Aquarius at the top of this chart will be squaring the moon about to go into Taurus. That's what we call a first quarter moon that can represent a crisis in action. And in and March 4th, 1865, there was a first quarter moon. Plus the moon in that chart was a, was approaching Mars in the 12th house. And then we found, you know, then we realized that after he was inaugurated on March 4th, the Civil War was still happening. It ended um, pretty much signing of uh, uh, the peace between Lee and Grant at Appomattox on a uh, courthouse in Virginia, April 9th. And then five days later at Ford's Theater, we have John Booth, John Wilkes Booth assassinating President Lincoln. And then, um, and so Vest is actually very strong in that chart, not going to get into it now, but I have, I, I will share much more about that in what's called this Destiny of America series. I, I've done the research going all the way back in 2006, it was on one of my old websites, and I will put it on in the Earth Aquarius News section fairly soon. There's like 38 charts, and all these charts in American history. So I've studied the Abraham Lincoln assassination chart, his birth chart, his inaugural charts, connected to John F. Kennedy and so on. Now, void moon is not encouraging. We don't know what it leads to. And now with what happened on January 6th, it's even more dangerous about where we're going uh, with the inauguration chart. But let me put it this way. First quarter moon at this inauguration, avoid moon when the oaths are being taken. You'll see the moon at 29 degrees uh, of Aries. Now, here's what's really important to that. If you jump over to the mob attacks, the U.S. Capitol chart, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing. I'm, I'm bringing it to your attention so you can see not only the sun, the moon, the different planets, but you'll see Mars in the 12th house area, 29 of Aries. Well, that's the same degree where the moon is um, going to be on the inauguration day void. So in other words, on January 6th, 14 days before January 20th, Mars is at 29 plus of Aries. Fast forward, January 20th, the moon hits that spot and is void. Now, here's the remarkable thing, which is unfortunate. If we go back to the 
What's, what the other big thing that's going to happen is several big alignments at the inauguration. One is this challenging relationship. I think I mentioned last time Saturn and Neptune are 45 degrees apart at 11.59 p.m. at the inauguration. So Saturn, so connected to responsibility, hard work, the material plane, executive authority. There's so many different levels of what Saturn could represent. will be 45 degrees, which is what's called a semi-square, half of a square, to Neptune the trident figure. So in the inauguration chart, you'll see Saturn near the sun in the 10th house. Jupiter's up there, Pallas Athena, Mercury, they're all up there. Uh, by the way, Chiriklo, that's C-H-A on the inner ring um, of those planets. That is not chaos, That the planet chaos, that's Chiriklo, which has a 62-year um, orbit. It's a companion to Chiron. It's the feminine archetype. And this is very connected to um, Kamala Harris. And we're going to get into this in the future. The fact that at this inauguration chart, uh, what's fascinating is because uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden both have moons close to one another, before the oath is before Kamala Harris takes the oath of office as vice president, she will take it first. I believe Sonia Sotomayora, the uh, Lat Latino Supreme Court justice, is going to uh, give her... Uh, do the oath with her. Now she's going to take the oath first. What's interesting is be, while the moon is void that morning, she will have, Kamala Harris will have already had her lunar return because she's born at a full moon and her moon is at 27 of Aries. Again, you can look at her chart. She's also given out with this as well as Joe Biden with all these different asteroids and planets. So she will have her lunar return. She'll be re-empowered with her lunar return, take the oath of office just before Joe Biden. Apparently, Joe Biden will then get the uh, take the oath with Chief Justice John Roberts. Now, Saturn and Neptune will be in this unusual semi-square, which is not considered a very favorable alignment. We're going to have a void moon. He will not have, his moon is at one degree of Taurus. He will not have his lunar return until a couple of hours later when the void is over and the moon goes into Taurus. Then he will have his lunar return. Then these they're going to do all these different things. They're going to go to Arlington National Cemetery, they're going to do several other things, and then Joe Biden will eventually go back to the White House with his wife that evening, and supposedly in the next 24 hours sign a lot of executive orders and so on. So they'll be, we'll be inundated with information, and the whole inauguration is going to be virtual. Okay, I mean, not everything virtual, but they've closed down the mall for security reasons because of what happened with the whole mob insurrection on January 6th. So, it, so to some extent, the powers that be, particularly in this case, they're the right-wing powers, all these different groups that you hear about, the Boogaloo Boys and on and on, uh, uh, QAnon and so on, all rallied together through um, the, the whole steal, stop the steal um, insinuation that Joe Biden had stolen the election, which did not happen. But nevertheless, all these different weeks that have gone by fostered this whole sense of outrage by different people who didn't know what was going on. And let's remember one of the things as a person involved, as I said before, from Michigan State from, from 52 years ago in 1968, when I was a reporter uh, at Michigan State, a uh, student there when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, covering all kinds of things at that point, 1968, Martin Luther King, whose birthday has been celebrated today. Um, I guess it's the 35th time. He was born actually January 15 of 1929, but now that there's this holiday, it's part of the three-day weekend. So today is Martin Luther King Day. And um, 
when he died on April 4th, 1968, I was a, um, a, a freshman at college. Uh, then Robert Kennedy died two months later. That whole year was tremendously difficult. Talk about disasters and catastrophes with all the political divide. So that's how I sort of got started with, with so much having to do with politics. Uh, it was only a couple of years after John F. Kennedy had been murdered and um, then also uh, Malcolm X had been murdered in New York City where I lived in uh, February 1965. And then this all led to Martin Luther King dying in early April of 1968 and two months later, Robert Kennedy and everything that happened with Nixon defeating Humphrey in that whole crazy year. Um, it was just... It was just uh, unbelievable, and very much people have been associating the year 2020 to 1968, particularly in terms of this kind of civil war mentality between Republicans and Democrats and uh, the right wing and the left wing and all these, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and George Floyd being murdered and so many of the things that have happened simultaneously with the pandemic. So um, at any rate, um, I will get into the Shariklo factor. This is very important that the sun is not, it's near Saturn, but even closer, the sun and Shariklo, they're only uh, one and a, one degree plus. They're closer together, this particular centaur body that the sun is coming off of a conjunction with Shariklo. And I believe in many ways um, in this chart, we have hidden energies showing the power of Kamala Harris as she unfolds in her role as the first woman and woman of color to be vice president with the genuine, I, sh I should say, probability of becoming president, uh, uh, certainly a possibility. And the other thing is um, these charts for inaugurations, ever since we shifted from March 4th, which was the old inauguration date, um, due to the lame duck uh, Congress kind of thing, we wanted to change everything was changed uh, so that in 1937, when when uh, Franklin Roosevelt took the second oath of office, it was January 20th instead of March 4th. And so we have the situation now where the middle of Taurus is rising at our inaugurations. And in this case, Venus in, is at 15 of Capricorn. So uh, in the inauguration chart, Venus and Capricorn in the ninth house makes a trine, a, a flowing relationship to the horizon. That is the feminine archetype that's very strong. Shariklo with the sun conjunct at the top of the chart, Shariklo being the companion to Chiron, having to do with healing energies um, very strongly for the, the feminine companion to Chiron with the sun. These are striking me uh, as very strong representations that I'm not saying that Joe Biden will decide due, due to his health or other reasons or the stress of the office or the fact that he's just going to become older that he may not want to continue for the same four, four years. But certainly the question would be, if they do reasonably well, uh, Kamala Harris, and I'll get into this more, will be hitting her Saturn, her second Saturn cycle um, in the next couple of years as we approach the 2024 elections. And there are a number of progressions in both of their charts that I've already talked about a little bit, but I'll talk about in part four or part five that show me that this is going to be a pretty spectacular um, energy. And there was just, by the way, I know a lot of people don't want to go to CNN, but I like it uh, very often for documentaries. They just had yesterday Kamala Harris making history, a one-hour show, very revealing about her life, really fascinating kinds of stuff. And uh, 
again, there are a lot of question marks in any politician of mistakes they've made and so on. So Kamala Harris has had controversies in her life, but for where, for whatever reason, while Hillary Clinton thought she was going to become the first uh, woman president, and then Barack Obama came out of nowhere in 2008 to, to take that nomination, and then she winds up getting the nomination and thinking she's going to easily beat whoever the Republican is, particularly Donald Trump, and then loses, and loses those key Democratic states, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, by a total of, what was it, 70-some-odd thousand votes. And Luckily, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris brought together, at least temporarily, for the Democrats to win back those states and then also win Arizona and Georgia, which were unexpected. Of course, this is what set off the whole controversy with the conservatives and the right wing and the, uh, the, the uh, people who are uh, virulent supporters of the president thinking that the election was stolen, leading to the whole, all those thousands of people at, uh, in Washington, D.C., so uh, on January 6th. So we've got the power of, of this chart, but here's the thing I wanted to mention. That riot, okay, that mob scene, what was happening during, if you look at that chart, you'll see Mars at 29 plus of Aries. The previous Mars-Uranus conjunction, there's gonna be one at the inauguration, a couple hours after the oaths are taken, we have Mars conjunct Uranus You'll see that in the inauguration chart. They're at six plus a Taurus. That's what they're going to meet in the middle of the afternoon, a couple hours after um, the oaths are taken. Mars and Uranus come together at that degree. But the last time Mars and Uranus came together was February 12th of 2019. And guess where they came together? 29 plus of Aries. So part of uh, this is part of the work of Eleanor Bach and other people working with previous stations and major planetary alignments. So before we get to this one that's going to happen on Wednesday, Mars conjunct Uranus, and a lot of people in my field, mundane Earth astrology, are very worried. What's going to happen, not only because there's a void moon, where we don't know what that's going to mean, other presidencies like JFK, again, uh, the second term of, of uh, Nixon that led to Watergate, Clinton's second term that led to the Monica Lewinsky affair, Barack Obama's uh, first term, where now we know that Donald Trump, the last four years, tried to completely undermine and get rid of so many of the accomplishments of Barack Obama. So that's there are different ways in which void moon energies affect uh, the leader. In J JFK's a situation, due to terrible circumstances, he was assassinated. But that's not what happened uh, to uh, Richard Nixon. He had to resign in disgrace. And with Bill Clinton, he was impeached. He wasn't he didn't, uh, wasn't convicted in the Senate, but his impeachment and his lying to Al Gore that he, in the beginning, he said, no, I never had sex with that woman. Then it turned out he was lying even to his own vice president, created a situation where Al Gore was very angry, went against, um, went against um, the president, didn't even ask him to help him in the reelection campaign. He was so furious with him and then wound up... Um, losing in a close election with the, with the hanging chads in Florida. So we have a situation where um, the void moon energies can create some very di difficult circumstances. In this particular situation, the fact that they, again, this is why we need a B-A-R-R, -R, as I called it, capital B period, capital A period, capital R period, and R period. I've talked to my colleague Wayne, Wayne Moody about this, you know, we wish there could be in the United States um, and in other countries in the world, France, Germany, England, everywhere, 
South America, North America, all around the planet. Astrology has been practiced in so many different cultures, and we need to have astrology and people working just like we have in the Pentagon or wherever it may be in the State Department, uh, Homeland Security, NASA, and so on. If, if astrology could be accepted with all of its mathematics and all of its tools of the trade and so many of these other things, then it could help uh, politicians, it could help our culture, it could help our society. We know there's a wellspring happening. Again, I've been on coast to coast. Um, while Art Bell, the original host, didn't have astrologers, George Nori does. And so since 2004, I've been on that show and also had my own uh, Welcome to Planet Earth for 20 years. It did actually go to the president of the United States. That was President Clinton and Al Gore. They actually received Welcome to Planet Earth with all the great astrologers who were part of that. Um, with I got letters back from George Stephanopoulos, who was chief of staff, or I think it was chief of staff to President Clinton, he or his main uh, advisor. But I would I, I don't even know where the letters are. They're in storage somewhere. I, I, I've lost track. But I got a couple letters back from George Stephanopoulos saying, thank you very much for welcoming planet Earth. Keep sending it. Same thing from Al Gore and Al Gore's office. So there, there was an opportunity, and that happened, and it's now almost 30 years ago during the Clinton administration for, for eight years, those two terms, where our magazine with all the different astrologers, not just talking about astrology, but um, the environment, medical astrology, uh, climate change, um, so many different wonderful astrologers uh, with different ideas and metaphysics and reincarnation and uh, historical kind of uh, stories and major planetary alignments, this was all going to the White House and it can happen again. And now here we are in 2020, 2021, and the world needs it even more. The reason I called it the B-A-R-R -R was, again, mocking William Barr, because, uh, again, some of the podcasts early on, I took on the formation of the Justice Department, looked at his chart, uh, and I didn't like what I was seeing in terms of how he was not functioning, as I thought, in a fair role of what an attorney general should do. Uh, instead, he was becoming the president's lawyer. And again, it's partly because William Barr, who had been attorney general during uh, George Bush's term, it's, I find it very interesting that he had, I don't know if this is the only person, but 30 years apart, we have William Barr being attorney general. And what's interesting is that George Bush, number one, is a sun sign Gemini whose son is on the United States Mars. And then 30 years later, we get... Um, we get Donald Trump, Sun and Gemini in the United States, Mars. And as I've shared before, uh, again, I've had all my my uh, discrepancies or all my uh, upsets with Donald Trump being president because in 1988, when George Bush was running and he was born June 12th of 1924, his son was right on the United States, Mars. And I warned the country. I warned, I mean, I wrote all my articles, don't elect George Bush. This is not the George Bush we know with Dick Cheney, the son. I'm talking about George Herbert Walker Bush. And even though he had done some meritorious things in his life and been vice president under uh, Ronald Reagan, he had been in charge of the CIA, he had been ambassador to China, he had, had been a war hero in the Navy, 17 years old. I think it was like he was too young to even be in there. Somehow he got in, and I think he was only almost under 18 when uh, there's that famous picture of him having... I guess, crash-landed his plane. He survived. He was on an aircraft carrier. And, and I mean, it's a pretty amazing thing of what he did in his life. 
so to get into positions of power. But the problem is, is that his son was right on the United States Mars. And then I warned that if he were elected over Dukakis, um, we would get into a war. He won very handily because Dukakis self-destructed. And George Bush, number one, got over 400 electoral votes. And then what happened was Saddam Hussein wound up seizing Kuwait. And by the end of, uh, by the beginning of 1990, we were involved with, um, with Persian Gulf War uh, number one. And it left Saddam Hussein in power, but Kuwait went back to being its own country. And then uh, eventually this leads to George Bush losing to Bill Clinton in a three-way uh, election with Ross Perot. And then we wind up getting George Bush's son and we wind up with Persian Gulf War II. We get 911. We get uh, the fact that we still have troops in Afghanistan, Iraq, and with the danger of Iran. So when, when people uh, have attacked me for like, why are you so down on Donald Trump? Um, as I've said before, I'm not saying a lot of people, but there are people who think, where's Mark coming from? He shouldn't be critical. He shouldn't use political astrology. Well, I'll tell you what, Charles Carter looked a lot at the charts of Adolf Hitler. Barbara Waters in Sex and the Outer Planets showed that we have a, a chart for European civilization with, a, with the crowning of Charlemagne on uh, Christmas Day in the year 800 in Rome. And that chart is the chart of European civilization. It doesn't include Spain. It doesn't include the United Kingdom, but it does include Germany, France, Austria, um, the countries of Central Europe. And I've studied the rise of Hitler just as I, uh, I've studied the rise of uh, Franklin Roosevelt. They both came into power in the beginning of 1933. They both had 12 year um, cycles in power. They both died within two weeks of each other. This was actually um, shared a lot in Astrology for the Millions by the great astrologer Grant Louie, a lot of that. But I linked it up also, if you look at Hitler's uh, Moon-Jupiter conjunction in Capricorn, it's right on the Sun position for the crowning of Charlemagne, which according to Barbara Waters, a great astrologer, is the, is the birth chart of European civilization. So what I'm saying is that, um, and if you look at historical cycles, you could see that Adolf Hitler in different ways. And there are other charts that I've studied with Adolf Hitler. He came to power because his his personal chart was connected to Charlemagne, uh, Charlemagne being crowned Holy Roman Emperor. He, uh, there was a chart for the German Empire in 1870 and other uh, conju a conjunction of Saturn and Neptune in 1882. And these were all alignments just before the birth of Adolf, Adolf Hitler in 1889 where he was tapping into historical time periods and major planetary alignments in history. So if we don't learn from history, we, as Sanayana said, we don't learn from the past, we're condemned to repeat it. So that's why, and I'm, I'm not gonna read the timeline to war. I will do that in part four, perhaps, um, along with getting into more of this whole idea um, of this list the disaster list about January 6th and many other topics. I want to get into um, the pardon issue. We're going to have pardons from Donald Trump. So rather than I talk about it now, maybe when I do part four in a couple of days, uh, we'll see what these apparently maybe a hundred pardons, an enormous number of pardons, many of which could be illegal. I've also been wondering, it looked like uh, President of the United States was considered pardoning himself, which I know would be unconstitutional because the Supreme Court in July 
of last year came up with two rulings, and I've shared this before. It was inevitable that Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, who were appointed as conservative justices by Donald Trump, they would absolutely have to, in some vote or another, go against President Trump, even though they were conservatives. And Trump didn't realize this. Um, so those were two seven to two rulings. They were around July 9th or even on July 9th, which is a very significant day every year because when we hit July 9th, the sun crosses the discovery position of the planet Pluto, discovered uh, February 18, 1930 um, from photographic plates in January uh, of, of 1930 um, in Flagstaff, Arizona. So Pluto, uh, Pluto's discovery is very interesting because the Pluto discovery point in the Zodiac is uh, 17 plus or 18 degrees of Cancer. And every year on July 9th, the sun illuminates that degree. And it turns out that when the rulings took place that were seven to two, which were no human, no person is above the law. That was uh, John Roberts, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh joining the liberals. Uh, what we had and that's and that, at that point, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was still alive. And what we had there, and I don't know why this is always the, the case that something weird in Clarence's Thomas's life because of, again, Anita Hill and the whole controversy, which, by the way, Joe Biden was in charge of those hearings back a long time ago when, when Clarence Thomas was accused of sexual malfeasance or allegations that Anita Hill was trying to point out. And Joe Biden was in charge of that committee, which is very interesting. And it was only recently that Anita Hill uh, forgave him for a lot of that. It wasn't that he was a, Joe Biden was a bad guy, but she felt that he could have been much more supportive of her views. Of course, we go back 30 years ago, um, women and their views were not nearly as accepted about sexual allegations. We had the same thing with Kavanaugh. And again, the whole to-do last year where he almost, you know, he was accused of different things sexually. And um, again, he was, put on the, he was put on the court anyway. But in the meantime, it was inevitable that they would have to show their separation or their independence from Donald Trump. And I knew it would happen at some point. Um, because when you get to the Supreme Court, then you're sort of part of this key third party, third part of the American government. There's a whole historical tradition and you can't be a cons just a simple conservative justice your whole life. Now, we're, somehow that seems to be the case for Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas. You know, I mean, they very rarely join everybody and everybody in a nine to nothing ruling. It almost never happens. So I'm not sure exactly what is going on in their mindsets of why they, they see things the way they do. But I mean, that's their prerogative. They're on the court and we, we do have lifetime appointments still going on with the Supreme Court. But nevertheless, um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I guess it turns out that the president has been advised not to, um, not to uh, pardon himself, but there are going to be a 100 to 200 pardons. Lawrence O'Donnell in recent programs on MSNBC invited some people um, or a woman particularly who, have, who is a lawyer in the pardon department or the pardon area, I guess, of the Justice Department. And, there's a lot of interesting things. Apparently, pardons don't have to be written down. They don't even have to make, be made public. So we may not even know uh, when the president leaves office whether he has possibly pardoned himself or possibly pardoned some of his family members and has done it verbally because there's nothing in the Constitution that says, oh, it's got to be on a piece of paper. It's got to be given. There, 
this president has done a lot of things regarding pardoning and granting of pardons that no other president has done the same exact way. So again, some of the pardons that he ha has given seem reasonably okay. Others seem completely outlandish, but we'll see what happens in the next 24 hours and into Wednesday. So we're at a point here where I've done about two hours. And let me just take a look here. I have at least, oh, okay. The, the other chart that I didn't mention that at least I'll mention here, these are the charts with all these different asteroids and so on. Again, it's not, you'll see if you can um, zoom in here on the bottom of most of these charts, there's what's called asteroid symbols. And you'll see the names and some of the symbols of all of these different asteroids. Now, um, in these charts in the folder, the, this box down below the chart, that's for the symbols in the outer ring of symbols. You'll see an inner ring and an outer ring. The inner ring is the actual chart itself. Like if you look at the inauguration chart for 2021, January 20th, the inner circle of symbols are the main symbols and some asteroids. And you'll see Sedna and you'll see um, uh, Varuna, you'll see Makimaki, Haumea, uh, Quayor, and so on. There are a number of unusual symbols also on the inner ring, but then there's even more of these asteroid symbols in the outer ring. What I'm trying to do here is open the, the, the playing field so that you can start getting used to some of these other names of asteroids or faraway planets. It's not my contention that we should we should open up the doors completely because then things are going to get unwieldy in trying to look at charts. But as an experiment, I wanted to at least provide these charts. So you've got the U.S. chart with all these different, going back to July 4th, 1776, you'll see that one. Uh, and again, so there's a table kind of below with names of asteroids. That's the outer ring. Um, and one point of confusion is there's the, there's the planet called Chaos with the letter C-H-A, and there's, there's Shariklo also with C-H-A. So in the inner ring um, in these charts, the C-H-A, like in the U.S. chart from July 4th, 1776, down where Quayar is and Pallas Athena and the moon in the third house, to the left of Quayar, you'll see the letter C-H-A. That's not the planet Chaos. That's the asteroid or the centaur Shariklo, the companion to Chiron. Meanwhile, then it's in the outer ring of the U.S. chart at the top in the outer ring. The CHA there is the planet Chaos, which is a planet beyond Pluto. So you can see even that, and I'm not creating these abbreviations. There should not be the same abbreviation. I'm not sure why that is the case. It's just the way that the people who designed the software have made that. In fact, when I did do this chart initially, I had to say, well, wait a minute. Why are there two CHA abbreviations? And I realized, well, okay, one's for Shariklo. Which one is it? The other one's for chaos. So I'm just giving you an example if you're getting into all of this stuff. Um, again, this is all fascinating, but the one chart that I'm giving the, the regular kind of look, which doesn't have all of these extra asteroids, is at 3.45 in the morning on January 7th, all after the whole mob situation, the extremes that happened, uh, and the delay of the votes, and then eventually Pence, Mike Pence, in his role of being presiding over the, the, the two houses to, to confirm all the results, approximately 3.45 in the morning of January 7th, that chart shows 
uh, what's going on, which I find very interesting. And the reason I find it interesting is, aside from the fact that the whole vote got delayed because of the mob attack, we now see in the uh, Congress confirms the votes for January 7th at 3.45 in the morning. Guess what? Another void moon. The, the moon wasn't void earlier in the day, but then it became void in all of these delays. And the moon is at 29 plus of Aries, excuse me, 29 plus of Libra. You'll see it on the cusp of the 12th house area. So this is pretty phenomenal that how this chart, again, there are many other very powerful positions in this chart, the sun, uh, when the Congress was confirming the votes, you'll see it toward the bottom in the second house area, the sun circle with the point in the center, 17 Capricorn. That is the position squaring Jupiter in, at 17 plus of Libra in the chart for uh, Donald Trump. And um, Nancy Pelosi's Jupiter is 17 plus of Aries. So part of the rivalry between Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi is they have opposing Jupiters exactly one with Jupiter and Libra, stationary, Donald Trump, 17 plus degrees, and Nancy Pelosi, who's six years older, uh, she's born 1940, uh, in March of Donald, uh, then six years older than Donald Trump. And she has Jupiter at, uh, because six years difference is half of a, approximately of a Jupiter cycle. Her Jupiter is exactly opposite his. And the sun, um, with the Congress confirming the votes, remember that she was, she's in charge as the leader of the house and the these people in the mob mentality were we're going to go after her and mike pence they were talking about hanging mike pence and where's nancy and all those different pictures of people breaking into her office and putting their feet on her desk and stealing things of hers there's still a report now whether true or not that a, a woman uh part of the uh, mob may have stolen either a hard drive or uh, some kind of computer from her office with an intent to possibly sell that information or that to, to Russia or Russian intelligence. Now, again, that just came up in the last 24 hours as a possibility. There's just so much in these charts, so it's almost impossible to go into everything. One thing I do want to report, um, both during the uh, Georgia runoffs of January uh, uh, 5th that led into then January 6th and even on January 7th, one of the things that was happening about that created massive confusion is Neptune at 18 plus of Pisces was in an exact square to, to the lunar nodes, which have to do with fate and destiny at 18 of Gemini and 18 Sagittarius. Now there are two different node systems. One is called the true node, true, true node. The other is called the mean node. And the reason we have this controversy is that we always had what was called the mean node. There was never any problem with it. And then Robert Hand, uh, uh, to his credit or detriment, decided, let me get into this more scientifically. And he figured out that, that the nodes don't always go retrograde according to the true node position. The mean nodes are always going retrograde, and they, they go approximately three minutes of arc every day. Now, it turned out that what happened with Robert Hand was uh, in the ephemerides, you'll see a listing for the true node, and then in, somewhere in the box, it'll say mean node, and you say, wait a minute, why are there two nodes? So again, traditionally and still in use is the mean position, the mean being the average position of what's called the moon's nodes, the north and the south node. It's where the, the moon's orbit crosses the Earth's orbit and vice versa. So they, as they interact with one another, what happens is over 18 and a half years, the orbit of the moon slips backwards at a rate of approximately three minutes of arc per day. And that's what's called the mean nodes of the moon. 
So in these dates of January 5th, uh, 6th, and 7th, in fact, at the Georgia runoffs into January 6th, even more so than January 7th, it was absolutely precise. Neptune exactly squaring the mean lunar nodes. Now, the, the true nodes are more scientifically accurate. They don't always go retrograde, and so you'll see this um, the phenomenon of the true nodes. But what I want to report is, after Robert Hand developed this, and they were beginning to put into all the main ephemerides, then years later, after he kept conducting research, I went to a conference in Seattle, and when he gave a talk and he said, oh, guess what, folks? Uh, I now think that actually, even though I came up with the scientific true node, and I don't know if he stands by this now, but this is a long time ago, 20 plus years ago, he said, I think that the mean node is actually better now that I think of it. I, I'm laughing about it only because uh, it's one of the anomalies in astrology, and I was privy to it because I was at a conference where he made that comment. So when you, if you get the ephemerides, the Bibles of astrology, uh, now they have ephemerides online as well. But if you get the big uh, Neil Mickelson American ephemerides and you see the main listing shows true node, and then in the little box you'll see another node, which is the mean node, you'll know what I'm talking about. They're always close to one another, but the, the mean nodes are always going retrograde, and that's the ones that I find more accurate than the true nodes. I'm not saying one is totally accurate and the other one is not accurate. They may both have significance, but I think that the mean node position, always going retrograde, three minutes of arc a day, that is the more significant one. I find it more powerful and more accurate than the other one, and all I'm telling you is that with the Georgia runoffs that were so close and controversial that that led in literally uh, that morning, um, which was the last time I did a previous podcast, then that leads to the whole mob situation. And what we're finding there is that, again, Mars was at 29 of Aries on that date. That's the same exact degree where Mars and Uranus came together February 12th of 2019. So part of the reason for all that pent-up violence and that extreme mob behavior is that Mars on January 6th had returned to the previous position of a Mars-Uranus conjunction from February of 2019. And Mars-Uranus conjunctions have enormous amount, amounts of potential volatility. Uh, when you combine together some of the principles of Mars, I mean, Mars can be courageous and it can be skillful and it can be passionate and idealistic and devotional. Uh, for people in sports, soldiers, people who are courageous in different ways, leaders and captains and uh, in different industry and all kinds of leaders, men and women in their different fields can be working with positive Mars. But on the shadow side, we get bloodshed, we get, we get volatility, we get rash behavior, we get excessive egotism and so on. And Uranus, while it can represent breakthroughs in consciousness and intuition, lightning lightning like realizations tuning into the future uh, can also represent um, extreme uncertainty and unpredictability and radical change and revolutionary behavior and being iconoclastic and unconventional and an anarchy so you combine mars and uranus coming together approximately every two years every year and a half it depends on mars retrograde cycles how often they occur but the fact that the previous Mars-Uranus conjunction in February 2019 just happened to be a 29 plus of Aries, and then the capital mob insurrection, you get Mars again at 29 plus of Aries, the same exact degree, you tap into that former energy and it explodes the situation. This is why we need an organization like the BARR, all capitals, the Bureau of Astrological Research and Revelation. 
you got to be able to use astrology um, and it can be used not you know not just national governments state governments police departments fire departments i mean to to accept um the truth of the power of the heavens as above so below working with sun and moon that's part of the experiment here giving you more of these planets to work into your charts and take a look at these different uh, planetary positions and again I'll end on this note. Now we've got Mars and Uranus coming together again at the inauguration right after the void moon. Uh, and then the next day, January 21, the moon uh, in this first quarter moon phase, which is also a danger, will cross over the Mars and the Uranus. And uh, that moon will also be squaring the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction that just happened recently. So we got our hands full. This is not easy. Um, it'll be very interesting to see Hopefully, fingers crossed, there'll be a good day on Wednesday. There's no guarantee. And with all the troops there, just the fact that we had um, the mob scene and the insurrection and the involvement of our own president egging these people on. And you can even go to some of the tweets after supposedly said, well, everybody, you know, be at peace. He was still uh, giving commendations for everybody who showed up and his own vice president could have been killed. I mean, it could have been a, a real literal catastrophe and disaster going against the stars. Um, and for the, for the president of the United States to not even have empathy for his own vice president, and I know that there was a big falling out. The reports are that Mike Pence had never been so angry as what was happening in that 24-hour time period uh, and, the, and, and the day before as well. So we know that Mike Pence is supposedly showing up at the inauguration, and, and it's, it's really a shame that not only will um, President Trump not be there, but that Melania will not be there, and I guess his whole family won't be there. It just, it just is uh, something that you could never imagine, and people would behave like this. I mean, he, the guy is 74 years old, the current president. You can't, you can't just bury the hatchet for, for a day. I guess not. I, I mean, it's 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 almost impossible to understand. I mean, there have been situations, I guess, Andrew Johnson, because of impeachment and everything, the Democrat vice president took over for the Republican Abraham Lincoln when he was assassinated. He was he was impeached and he just he, he almost was convicted and one vote would have changed everything would have been convicted. So um, he didn't go to uh, uh, Ulysses Grant being inaugurated. Uh, so he, he wasn't there. That was that. That's 1868. You know, we're we're talking a really long time ago. Of course, Adams and Jefferson had their differences, um, in in the uh, election of 1800 and their political philosophies and so on. And there've been some other indications over the course of time. We know that Herbert Hoover uh, didn't like Franklin Roosevelt. Thought he was kind of uh, uh, too extreme, and so, but he wound up at least cordially going in the same vehicle in the car to Franklin Roosevelt's uh, inauguration, even if they, it was kind of a cold interaction between those two figures. Uh, but at this point in time, it would, have, it would have been, or it could have been, I guess it won't happen, a really nice gesture. I mean, when you think about Barack Obama and Michelle Obama being so kind to, to President Trump and Melania Trump and showing them the White House and just being kind about it. I just don't understand how, even with all the rivalries and the question marks that this president 
who's leaving office has about uh, Joe Biden. Hey, I believe he stole the election. He didn't win. To have this president have convinced himself so much um, about all of that and to help inspire all these people who wound up uh, breaking into the Capitol building and um, several people died. Many people were injured. This isn't just like, oh, it was just a, a mob scene and it's over with. It has vast ramifications. And of course, the FBI and different people are going to be looking through all the evidence. So, so many people will continue to be brought to justice for doing all the things that they did. Now, again, we may still have violence, so I am concerned of what could happen here uh, at this inauguration. And the other thing to keep in mind, just like with the with any inauguration chart, it's valid and strong for the next four years. So even if we have a void moon, we've got Mars conjunct Uranus, Vesta's not moving, which is dangerous uh, in itself about safety and security and all of its different themes connecting to CIA, FBI, NSA, Homeland Security, all these different organizations connected to the safety and security of the country. There's also in the inauguration chart, you'll see Ceres with Neptune, which is almost exact. By the way, that Ceres and Neptune, um, I think, again, when we look at Kamala Harris's chart, there are a lot of these feminine energies throughout um, the chart that I think favor her rise to power uh, but again, there's so much animosity against her and Joe Biden by all of the Trump supporters uh, that if they don't want to even give them a chance, then that's going to create a lot of dangers down the road here. So uh, that's it. Uh, there's also a chart that I did include, which is the Trump impeachment chart for January 13th, 2021. Um, I didn't want to include that this time. But if we go back to the other impeachment, December 18, 2019, um, there are connections between these charts, and I, I would think you would realize that that's pretty obvious that that would happen. But too many charts, I decided not to include that, but the Trump impeachment this time around was um, approximately Janu on January 13th, which is only, what, five days ago, uh, 4.36 in, in the afternoon. And it's a very powerful chart, a lot of planets setting. Again, I, I didn't publish it. But the sun with Pluto, moon approaching Saturn, Jupiter, Mercury, Pallas Athena, they're all in the seventh house, which in, in mundane or Earth astrology can be allies or open enemies. And what's also interesting in this chart is um, the horizon is uh, 19 degrees of, of Cancer, very close to the what's called the heliocentric orbit of Pluto, where Pluto's orbit around um, the sun um, this is more of a slow moving, uh, we have the moon's nodes, but we also have in heliocentric astrology, slow moving uh, heliocentric nodes. And so when, whenever we get the degrees around 19, 20 degrees Cancer and Capricorn, we get the whole orbit of Pluto. And, and that was what was rising and setting at this impeachment. And the sun was also um, approaching Pluto. And again, this all happened um, on, at the time of a very right after the new moon of January 13th. Again, my story on that uh, new moon, the current moon that we're in now is in global hotspots, which is complimentary on the website. So you do want to take a look at that. So um, I hope all of you will go to Great Bear Enterprises, go into our astrology shop, sign up for the Astrology Cosmic Calendar for free, and then consider subscribing to it so you can go a couple of weeks into the future at any given time. Uh, we've got these great astrology reports. 
Again, this is in the astrology shop at www.greatbearenterprise.com. If you do decide to place any order for a consultation or a bunch of reports or for the School of Planetary Study classes, any order of $75 or more, two complimentary reports for yourself or loved one, heaven knows what, based on Grant Louis' ideas from Astrology for the Millions, which also has some transit paragraphs in there of major alignments coming up in the year ahead. It's a great report, uh, Sun, Moon, the different planets, and heaven knows what. And then Just for Women, designed by Gloria Starr, a professional uh, astrologer who knows a lot about astrology. Again, these are matrix software reports from the organization of Michael Erlewine, and that's a top-notch report. And part of the reason is with the, with the Just for Women report, I thought with Kamala Harris, regardless of your political views, becoming this important figure within our government, this is going to be a big story as time unfolds. Right now, with the focus on Joe Biden and the, the different uh, political rivalries from right and left, it seems as if the, the, the big thing is Joe Biden and, and uh, him becoming president. But again, he's been around for a really long time, 48 years in office. Uh, that's an enormously long time as a senator and a vice president. So um, it remains to be seen with his age and his own health and things like that, what will happen under the stresses with everything in terms of foreign policy. We'll share more about that in the future, about connections with China and Russia and the Middle East. And, uh, but what is fortunate, his birth time is approximate 8.30 in the morning. So it comes out of, I think, Marion March, a professional astrologer. But it's not from a birth certificate as far as I know, but I haven't seen any, any other uh, information that would contradict 8.30 in the morning uh, being the time for Joe Biden in his birth chart. And Kamala Harris's chart, uh, particularly if she were to ascend into the presidency, I mean, whether she does or not, we know her birth time from a birth certificate. So we can plot her astrolocality energies when she goes giving talks or her views about the Middle East or um, very often a vice president. I mean, I don't know how many times a vice president now during the pandemic will be sent overseas. Usually you send uh, your secretary of state to do diplomacy around the planet, but sometimes there are goodwill missions that vice presidents have taken. And so we'll be able to see Kamala Harris connecting to war leaders. It, apparently uh, Joe Biden is gonna reestablish a, a close, closer connection to NATO and our allies there, which I think will be welcome. It's something that I think is a good idea myself. I mean, I think from a more conservative middle of the road position, we need to do that in terms of uh, goodwill and, and creative enterprise and better communications with our allies. And at the same time, um, apparently some of these executive decisions that'll come out in the first day or two um, will get us back into the Paris uh, peace talk, uh, peace initiatives and climate initiatives, um, and many other kinds of things, uh, restoring different things for the environment, which have been overturned tremendously uh, during the Trump administration and sadly. So it'll take a while because we've seen that uh, just recently, Donald Trump has installed different people, which are which is really questionable uh, in the in the Justice Department, in Homeland Security, in the Interior Department, uh, in the Environmental Protection Agency, in the Defense Department. These are really questionable things of Donald Trump the last couple of months installing, firing different people and putting in 
people into positions of power just to muck up everything for, for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and make their start much more difficult. And it just shows a terrible vindictive, vindictiveness. And it's, it's not just a personal vindictiveness, which is part of the reason it's being done, you know, which seems very childish. Uh, it's just the nature of Donald Trump. We know that there are question marks, which I believe very firmly that um, he has a, a particular type of psychological or you know, mental disorder. And that's why this book came out, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump with 27 doctors and psychiatrists who says that, that say that when you're a malignant narcissist or a malignant narcissist sociopath or sociopathic tendencies, this is not just terms that we throw around like, oh, the person is narcissistic. Uh, we think that you know we can just say that and it's not a big deal. It just means a lot of ego, but it's not something more serious. Or we say malignant narcissism and we make it sound like just like in cancer, which is malignant, we make it sound like, okay, well, it's really bad, but it's not necessarily uh, a reason to, to, to make a person go through a, a, a psychiatric ana analysis. So I have this book that I ordered a while back. I've never had, I've been so busy, I haven't plunged into the whole thing, but I, I would find it very fascinating to actually take a look at it at some point and report back to everyone and again, the reason why this has not been accepted by the main press, I mean, the, the main woman who was the editor of that often has different opinion pieces, and sometimes she's on some of these talk shows, but because of what's called the Goldwater rule, which is not really a rule, because Barry Goldwater had a lot of extreme views about nuclear energy and his willingness to nuke Vietnam and to do different things, which would have caused a whole planetary disaster, literally, um, even though he, as a conservative, he had certain opinions that could be acceptable in the conservative party. But th sometimes there's just people come along and they think, oh, we can just drop a nuclear weapon on somebody. What's the big deal? It's like, now we know from science and radioactivity and everything, you can't just, um, we already had Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We had nuclear testing underground and in the atmosphere. And we know we've done an enormous damage to our to our land, our waters, and our air. Thank goodness to John F. Kennedy to uh, have gotten the first nuclear test ban treating in the atmosphere in the summer before he died with the United Kingdom, uh, the Soviet Union, and the United States. And that was one of the great, if not the greatest international achievement of his presidency of his short time of less than a thousand days. So um, we have all of this um, death on our hands, all this destruction of human life through Hiroshima, Nagasaki, World War II, and um, these nuclear explosions all around the planet. The last thing we need is for someone like a, a Barry Goldwater back in 1964, who was ready to use nuclear weapons against, um, in, in Vietnam, um, or against China and so on. Um, so this even was part of the reason um, uh, why Truman, um, um, decided to uh, dismiss uh, General Douglas MacArthur when we had the Korean War because he wanted to go in and attack China and possibly even potentially use a, a nuclear weapon like to end that war. And so Truman dismissed him. And that's when uh, Douglas MacArthur came back and gave that speech in Congress, old soldiers never die, they just fade away. We have some very extraordinary kind of things. By the way, Harry Truman's Sun and Neptune conjunction is right on Vest in the United States birth chart. 
And in that podcast 19, um, where I did read the Vesta Covenant and about the connections of Nazis, uh, Nazism, Hitler, and America, what's really scary is that Adolf Hitler was born with his Vesta, um, where the United States has Vesta. Again, this 19 plus degrees of Taurus. That's where Vladimir Putin has his Jupiter. That's where Harry Truman had Sun-Neptune conjunct at that point. So I'm always watching these particular positions, in this case, 19 plus of Taurus, which is the natal Vesta for the United States. What's interesting is that what may be the saving grace is that this Vesta, which is stationary at 21 Virgo 23, this is happening literally today and will still be stationary when the inauguration happens. As I said, it's exactly square the United States Mars within one minute of arc. And it's also conjunct the United States Neptune and this outer planet chaos at the Midhaven or the power point of America's birth chart. So the inauguration chart, void moon, Mars conjunct Uranus, sun square moon at the first quarter moon. Um, there's just so many unusual, powerful alignments, very dangerous, very worrisome for a person like myself and other people who watch mundane or earth astrology. And I will report more about it after we see what happens over the next 48, 48 hours and so on. So hopefully in the next podcast, part four, I will share more about some of the things I typed up on January 10th um, after the January 6th event. I will probably read the Gemini 1993 time, timeline to war is history repeating itself because I do feel that in many respects we aren't learning the lessons from history and even a story from 28 years ago about the which connects up the sinking of the Titanic to uh, the possibility of a Balkan war, um, uh, which happened 1912, 1913, and 1914. So we, we now have the possibility um, through the Jupiter 83-year cycle that connects up to World War II starting in 1939. And so you add 83 years to 1939 and Jupiter in 2022, every day the Jupiter position, again, Jupiter, king of the gods, which usually is providence benevolence, but the shadow of Jupiter, as we've seen with Donald Trump having Jupiter stationary at his birth, being born in a total lunar eclipse, whereas Jupiter is opposite the United States, uh, excuse me, opposite uh, Nancy Pelosi's Jupiter, Speaker of the House. These, these planetary positions, even a Jupiter position, can be dangerous, particularly if a person goes overboard. Pride, arrogance, things like that, thinking that you can be a monarch, you can just do whatever you want, whether it's pardons or um, just controlling things in a way that is more like a monarch or the emperor's new clothes. So I'm very concerned that in, in 2022, we finally get three Pluto returns in the United States birth chart. And it's also exactly 83 years from 1939. So all of the individual Jupiter day-by-day -day movements in the year 2022 will be mirroring or exactly a mirror reflection of the day-to-day -day alignments in 1939. So, I mean, we can't just say it's, it's unimportant because that's actually a fact. If, if you go to the ephemeride, you'll see it. And I feel fortunate that I was able to find that Jupiter cycle. And I did report about it. I guess it was in the last podcast or the one before that. So, I've got Timeline to War. I'm going to read that story next time, part four, and go back into some other things, and we'll see just what happens here. Uh, after that, I definitely am going to do um, a focus on Kamala Harris one way or another, and I also want to take a look at what I would call the lunacy 
of American leadership because this whole issue of the, the sun moon cycles of these presidents at first quarter moon, uh, uh, JFK, Ronald Reagan, George Bush number two, all having first quarter moon energies. Bill Clinton being in a last quarter moon phase. Al Gore was also in a waning moon of uh, last quarter moon. Uh, Donald Trump uh, born at not only a full moon, but a total lunar eclipse, June 14, 1946. Now we have what I think, it's not necessarily an answer, Kamala Harris is born at a full moon, even more exact than the full moon of Donald Trump. Her son at 27 plus of, of, of Libra and her moon at 27 plus Aries. But that's squaring the United States Pluto. And we're going to have Pluto come back. Now, will she be the balancer? Full moons can be a time of enlightenment or it can be a time of splitting apart. So she has good intentions and I know her heart is in the right place. But what does it mean when you're born at a full moon? Because at a full moon, the sun and moon are opposite. They're on either side of the earth. And while I can tell from her personality and from her life, again, she is now married to a Jewish individual. We also have Joe Biden is Catholic. And this is not being talked about, but JFK was Catholic and almost was was run out of office before he could even get in there because the Protestant ministers didn't want to accept him because they thought he was too close to the Pope. And he gave a great speech. I think I shared this the last time in Houston, Texas, during the during uh, when he was running against, uh, I think it was in the primaries before the, the, the election in the fall. And he, he gave a speech and all there was like 500 uh, Protestant ministers and they gave him a standing ovation because he talked about the separation of church and state. Uh, and again, somehow we're forgetting these things. But now we have the second uh, Catholic president and the vice president who is not Catholic. Uh, I, well, I don't know actually whether she's Catholic or not, but she's definitely, uh, I saw from the show that I was watching that her mother, who was from India, had her, had her and her sister, Maya, uh, Kamala and Maya, Maya both uh, going to church. So they had some kind of church experience. I don't know exactly what denomination but now she in the last seven years she's married to a jewish guy and by the way i just saw that her felt her the person she's married to was born only seven days before her in the same year in october of 1964 and and that that year of 1964 and that particular month was very big in my own life and i'm going to share more about the, my own experience of 1964 why it's important. And now Kamala Harris being born in that month at an exact full moon, even closer of a full moon than Donald Trump has, it remains to be seen what that's going to mean for the United States. And with her full moon activating the United States Pluto by a square pattern, which is certainly not an easy pattern, but she's been an attorney general. She's been a district attorney and she's been a senator for now several years. And now she's the first woman, but as she said, not the last, to hold a high office. And we may be looking at, finally, America having its first woman president. At least we're a lot closer to having that happen, whether the country wants it or not. At some point, we need to join the collectivity of states around the world, countries like Israel, uh, England, with prime ministers, Margaret Thatcher, and um, Angela Merkel in Germany, and um, different women presidents, uh, Golda Meir in Israel. Uh, Corazon Aquino became prime minister after her husband died in the Philippines. So many other countries around Europe and around the world with, with women um, in, in positions of being a prime minister, uh, the leader of New Zealand. Um, you know, 
and also recently, I guess it's uh, Taiwan. I think they have a, a woman who's uh, the president of their country, if I'm not mistaken. So the thing is, is that um, the United States, part of the problem has been the moon is low in the chart, in the chart with uh, the Declaration of Independence. Sagittarius is rising. The moon is at near, in the bottom of the chart. It's a powerful moon in Aquarius, uh, and it's conjunct Pallas Athena, and now we know it's conjunct Quaor. And by the way, Kamala has, Harris has Saturn in that, in that spot, within one degree of that, that position, and she will be in a career cycle, and it is in a strong career cycle over the next couple of years. So there's a lot of fate and a lot of destiny and a lot of synchronicity to all of this. Okay, uh, two hours, 42 minutes, went a little longer than I thought, but I think we've covered a whole lot. Um, I'm sending out blessings to all of you with the pandemic going on, the flu season, for healing and inspiration for all of you and for, for us to have a peaceful um, inauguration and post-inauguration. And I will be back with part four, hopefully in a couple of days. Again, thank you for listening. Please uh, go to our website. It's important to get into the cosmic calendar. Uh, I always appreciate it. I, I don't like marketing. I don't like advertising, but all of your orders are tremendously helpful to keep up our work of astro education around the planet. And again, thank you for all of you for everything that you're doing in support of astrology and creating goodwill around the planet. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.